Hey there, Falion. This is Ineash. Hey, Ineash. This is Steven. Steven, why is your name Falion on my screen? Because I spent 20 minutes trying to think of something to do with bones and souls and something, something, and all I could come up with was there's an NPC in Morthal in Skyrim named Falion, who his actual thing is he he if you get infected with vampirism, he'll help cure you. Uh-huh. Um, the, the only thing that made me think of soul stuff was that A, I think that he's not supposed to know the magic that he knows. And B, he uses, I think you need to bring him a, a black soul gem, which contains a human soul. So there's, there's soul mischief involved. So you have to sacrifice a human soul to unvampire so- yourself? Yeah, pretty Do sure. Do you get that old soul? Like, are you now that human in a soul way? Oh, that's a good question. I, I know that there's this great quote, because when I was looking up how to spell his name, I grabbed his wiki page. When you have a gem and have filled it, return to me and I'll perform the ritual. I'll bring life to your dead body, vampire. Huh. Because, yeah, that was, I mean, I think that was one of the classic things about vampires. I'm not sure if it was in the original vampire myth or if it was added uh, as the ages went on. But, like, that vampires didn't have souls. The souls literally went on to either heaven or hell, whatever happens when you die. And the body's just left behind. And it does, a lot of the reason it does evil shit is because it doesn't have a soul. And the soul has a conscience or some shit. Yeah, we're going to need to dissect what souls are here tonight. So Indeed. Uh, some listeners may be able to tell that my audio quality is off a bit. Uh, the sound mixer that I usually use, which the good mics plug into, is out of commission right now. I think it's a uh, power converter issue. So I picked up another one, and it'll be here in a few days. But in the meantime, I'm using the old headset. So uh, yeah, it's not going to be as as good audio quality for me today. For what it's worth, I didn't notice a difference. So Cool. I feel like it's only people with, I mean, I'm even plugged in with real headphones. Maybe it's only people with really nice headphones that can tell the difference. So yeah, maybe, I don't know, something happens in the production process. Eh, Who knows? Yeah. All right. So, well, shall we get into, well, not into it because we have to cover a few things first. Like what is it that we are about to get into? What are we doing? We're here uh, discussing Alexander Wales' web serial worth the candle in this podcast called Not Everything is a Clue. Indeed, you can support Alexander Wales in his writing uh, at his Patreon. We also have a Patreon where you can support us for just $2 a month. And that actually is going to bring us to our listener feedback. Because at long last, uh, we have written and recorded. Okay, so Stephen did the writing, but I helped record the, uh, the Worth a Candle pitch meeting for book one. And uh, it has been titled, Not Everything is a Pitch Meeting, appropriately enough, <laughs> <laughs> and is available to all our patrons. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's our first effort at this sort of thing, so not perfect, but I think we did a pretty good job. The main thing that I have to work on for the next one is I, much like my notes when we do these podcasts, I was, I tried to be too thorough. So I got through like the first four chapters maybe and then at the end i kind of decided to like rush it in a way that kind of jived with the vibe of a pitch meeting but um i'm going to continue to like work on these in the background going forward and then we'll just release them like not on a schedule uh, uh we were gonna do like every 25 patrons or something but i kind of want to do one for every book of the story so those will just be fun little surprises released at random for patrons Oh, okay. I was going to say maybe, you know, we we should shoot for 25 patrons for every book. But yeah, that's that's probably more realistic. I would love that. If if we do do something, you know, if we hit another uh, increment of 25, we'll do something special. But I, I had fun doing this and I kind of just want to do a better one. So this will be an excuse just for fun. So yeah, maybe we we'll are- hit another 20, an increment of 25 before I, you know, finish. Yeah. 
we are currently at 29, so we have a little bit of a head start already. All right. And I decided to do all our listener feedback this week about this because, I don't know, I'm kind of excited about it. I think it's cool. Uh, Yeah. Griffin Tabor said, honestly, that it was super fun. I had my girlfriend listen to the pitch meeting. She is a fellow pitch meeting fan but has not read the book or listened to podcasts. And she found the pitch meeting fun and surprisingly good. Which, first of all, why'd you have to put surprisingly in there, Griffin? <laughs> I, I'm glad that it was surprisingly good. I I felt like once once it was done, I was like, ah, oh, this I I know in my bones, no pun intended, that I could do better at this. But I just I couldn't get pen, you know, mind to word document, whatever you call whatever mind yeah. to paper in today's yeah. day and age. It's a skill. It's one of those things you get better at as you go on. Even like the first few pitch meetings that Ryan George did, like when you go back and watch them now, you're like, oh, those aren't as good as the current ones. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Oh, I was watching the one for Black Widow, which, by the way, came out last week and was amazing. Um, oh, good. I don't know why Disney didn't want to capitalize on theater releases, but they did a Disney Plus home release the same day. So Of Black we, Widow? Yeah. Oh, God, that's going to sabotage the theater numbers. Uh, it's seems like an a i i'm not an expert there must there's experts at working at disney they i i assume somebody knows what they're doing but it seems like an immensely stupid call yeah i feel like that I, w- I would have definitely gone to see it in theaters if i couldn't watch it at home so yep yeah so you did watch it at home then i did okay and it was really good and, I, and i'm biased but i'll tell you this my wife who a has never liked the character black widow and b oh. has only watched the marvel movies because i I don't know. Made her sounds too. We, you know, we we have uh, tied her down and pried open her eyelids. Basically, no. We we have a a good like sharing media relationship where I'll show. You know, I will enjoy things with her that she likes, and she'll enjoy things with me that I like, and then ninety percent of our stuff overlaps. But anyway, she said she liked this a lot. So yeah, all right. Yeah. And, and the- I, I, I got to read Andrews because uh, I got to chastise him too. Um, okay, Andrews said. Uh, Having never watched the pitch meeting, I too thought it was super fun and I might look up the channel. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And man, you're missing out. Uh, Do pitch meeting, any movie you've heard of or any movie you think would be funny and just watch that. They're they're great. Um, If you saw uh, Game of Thrones season eight, I think my favorite pitch meeting to this day is still the uh, Game of Thrones season eight pitch meeting. That's how it came to my radar, the the channel. And I'm assuming that's one of his most popular ones. Cool. Uh, it was it was fantastic, and it it definitely captured everything that people weren't in love with about season eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. It like you mentioned that they used to be like less good. One thing I noticed because oh, because I was watching the Black Widow one. That's how that came up. Was they then the autoplay to the next one? They they were like more distinctly negative uh, back in the day. Like it oh, was really? it was a lot more like kind of just ripping it apart and pointing out how dumb it was. And now it's a bit more just like having a good time with it yeah i think it's easy to have like a you know cynic uh kind of take on things but this this came out a lot more just i don't know friendly after the last couple years yeah i mean there's not much to like about game of thrones season eight but (laughs) the thing i love about ryan george is that he is basically just like a really wholesome kind of enthusiastic um character that he portrays on the, on these shows and I are on the, those videos and I really enjoy that. And yeah, I mean, he puts out one every week. So eventually you run out of movies that everyone knows and dislikes and you got to start doing things like back to the future, which everyone loves and you can like have some fun with them, but you still love the movie. So you can't like shit all over it. Totally. And much like the John Mulaney 
comedy sketch that that pitch meeting was based on, they were both wrong. A, a lot of the like complaints they have about that movie aren't actual complaints, but you know, I'm not going to tell them what, what to do. So uh, which movie specifically back to the future. Oh, okay. I, I honestly don't remember his specific complaints about the movie. I just enjoy them. And then, you know, after a few weeks, forget the details. Yeah. I just remember that John Mulaney had a bit about like how the movie made no sense and don't get wrong. It's not a perfect movie. And it, it, like a lot, eh, I can save a back to the future rant for another time, but it was, <laughs> okay. it was a cherished part of my, of my youth. And uh, it's a fucking good movie. Yeah. And if you're going to gripe about it, you're totally welcome to, but gripe about the actual things worth gripping about John slash yeah. Ryan. All right. Yeah. All righty. Well, let us go into this book and stare at our character sheets again. That sounds great. Cool. Um, so when we last left our hero, he was sitting there uh, unaware of his surroundings, sitting six feet from Voldemort. And uh, Hold on a second. I, I thought we, we said it was Grindelwald, not Voldemort. You can't just change up what villain he is. Oh, watch me. <laughs> well, how, how are we going to not confuse the listeners? We're going to have to start using his real name or some shit. I'm hoping that when I just use generic bad guy name, it lands, but that's okay. valid. I will say Folliter. When, when he's, so he's sitting across from him and he accesses his character sheet. That's how the last chapter ended. So uh, we start off with June and us enjoying looking over his new character sheet in quotes because it's not much of a sheet so much it is, as it is like a convoluted, complex character screen, like a video game. Or almost like a, a database that you can navigate uh, almost in a virtual reality kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's tons of information, but the the it has a complex and malleable user interface yeah. that he can just think at and change what the presentation of the information looks like. But yeah, it reminds me kind of the uh, the like all the stat screens from like Fallout or something. Especially when he looks at his skeleton and he sees like the red outline of his bones. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, if you've got a crippled limb in, in Fallout, it'll show like your right hand and your little Pip Boy layout broken or something. Yeah. Like a dotted line for the outline instead of the solid line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the only downside of what's going on here is that he's sitting a few feet from a dark wizard and probably can't leisurely or and he can't leisurely explain literally every aspect of everything he's seeing here before he gets interrupted. So um, yes. I don't know how much we need to pull out here. Um, I I mean a lot. There's yeah. uh he it, it's got full immersive memory um replay mm. like he, he just checks like to to see what this is like and there's like a a flashback of him eating honeysuckle like his dad taught him in, in the background or in the backyard of his house and um like he can literally smell the the flower and feel the wind which is more um resolution is that the right word than our like our memories get right oh right yes yeah, so more fidelity, maybe. So he, he can essentially just like relive experiences. Yeah. Um, so I put in my note that this is a wonderfully sad slash uh, or wonderful slash sad slash bittersweet thing, being able to visit memories of his friends and family in super HD. And then for levity, I had said, well, he's got an ultimate spank bank. Absolutely. This, <laughs> this is now even more motivation to go and sleep with like the hottest chicks you can because. I mean, then you get, you get that there forever in your memory bank. Okay, well, we're going to have to skip straight to this. Um, <laughs> skip, okay, because, so what are we skipping straight to? Well, actually, we, we don't have to go too far. So he does, like, he finds, like, a line if he zooms all the way out on his UI that goes off to one side. So he follows it, and it's Amaryllis's character sheet. Yes. And he's like, ah, the twin souls thing. And uh, so this is kind of cool. He can monitor health and memories, and, you know, we don't really quite know everything else yet, but... Um, kind of, of his, to monitor her memories, though. 
he mentions that he's going to, I think, at the end of one of these chapters. Uh, really? Or rather that he could. I pulled out the line. But oh, okay. So he mentioned Spank Bank. Like, if he wants to go full violation of everything that it means to respect a person, he could go through his companion's memories of their sexual experiences. Ugh, and I, I know, right? Yeah, I so guess he could. This is a very, very one-sided trust thing that yeah. the only thing that makes me feel good about it is that A, June seems like a chill dude who wouldn't do that. And B, there's nothing in the rules. You know, we haven't seen all the rules, but I don't see why his companions couldn't learn enough soul magic to look at their own soul, their own character sheets. Right. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that it's probably going to take them, I don't know, however many years it takes a normal person. It would, except for I have a sneaking suspicion that Fen will get a grasp on it fairly quickly. Oh, because of the, uh, what is it, symbiosis? Yeah. Yeah. Fen, I think, is already like a level four soul mage or whatever his level is divided by two, right? Uh, I think it was level five at the end. So level two soul mage, not much yet. But, you know, you know June's going to keep leveling that thing up. Yeah, I mean, he he got to see his character sheet at level zero, and I think it was five at the end of this chapter. I'm not sure how high it gets before the end of all, like after he finishes healing his bones and stuff. But um, oh yeah, okay. It, you know, it's he's climbing fast, and apparently all he has to do is just poke around in here. So you know, anytime that he gets a free few hours, he can just do this, right? Yeah. So huh. yeah. I guess, I mean, I, this is another reason why I'm sure soul mages were hated because, <laughs> like, they didn't have the twin souls where they could just link to anyone, but I'm assuming that a high enough uh, soul mage could touch someone and access their memories like that. It seems to be, it, it would be weird if, like, you could change their, everything else about their soul but not see their memories. Yeah. Right? Imagine being in a, you know, the, the Second Empire, I, I'm curious about their their downfall like what what happens to make them fall apart um other than the fact that maybe having your game turn into a nazi playground was less fun or you know it wasn't a bunch of fun so the dm found a way to to destroy their empire but like well, it sounds like they were heavily reliant on soul magic and then soul magic got excluded to that one dude manifest or whatever oh yeah we have to find the thing about that because i don't quite i didn't quite understand that because i mean here he's doing soul magic i think that some of it was was restricted or something at some point right right yeah they said like partially excluded or something plus like also tons of laws against it yeah but it did say something about um uh manifest at some point but the thing is with uh with laws or whatever you know it's how's that going to stop you and and you could just manipulate enough uh politicians with by by fucking with their souls to make them be okay with soul magic again so yeah yeah lots of lots of stuff had to happen to to really like nerf this power but yeah i was just thinking of the 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 war implications you know you capture an enemy and you don't need to interrogate them you just rip rip the knowledge out of their head yeah people have to start implementing some extreme security precautions like who can see what what information you can share and i guess they have to do the same thing like that we get later in this chapter when or not later this chapter i think it's the beginning of next chapter where grack is under suspicion of being compromised like you yeah. just have to treat everyone like that. It would be oh my god! It would be like playing a game of paranoia. Have you ever heard of paranoia? No. It's it's a tabletop RPG where uh, the DM plays the uh, supercomputer AI that basically runs the world and has complete ability to see and do almost anything. And y- you're you're 
job is to like go on missions, but also not break any of the rules that this computer has, which are really arbitrary. And it's like living in absolute paranoia. And you're always trying to like call out the other players as actual secret agents and get them executed by the computer. It's, it's a very non-cooperative role-playing game. <laughs> and I think it's a great way to lose friends if you don't already have an understanding going into this. But yeah, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a very paranoid playing experience. At least from so, what I've heard, I didn't actually ever play a game of it. It sounds interesting. I will I will look into it and see if there's any like fun short versions of people playing it online or something. Yeah, I I mean I wonder just thinking of war efforts in Second Era um, or Second Empire Arab, like you know how people have cyanide capsules in movies in their teeth. Mm-hmm. You would think just void bomb capsules in your teeth would be the ultimate <laughs> like safety thing. That's true. I wonder, yeah, if you got like a little tiny void crystal in your tooth that uh, maybe just takes out your head. Or then I mean, again, you know, you don't care about killing everyone within six feet of you if you're being interrogated, right? Yeah, presumably if you're at the stage where you're going to blow yourself up, you don't mind killing the people around you. So, you know, maybe the maybe the bigger the merrier. You know, frankly, you could just have somebody put a big one inside you somewhere, heal it, and then encase it in something safe. And then, I don't know, you find some way to trigger it. But I think uh, that would be extremely uncomfortable at the least maybe just constantly painful i'm not sure you'd really want to go that far yeah but with enough bone magic and and fuckery involved there's there's probably something you could do but we're getting too far afield yes yeah so there's so many things to pull out here you grabbed the next jumping off point here sure he's looking through so he pulls up the skill list and there's 256 of them which is a magic number in computers neat um and some of the skills are crossed out they're magical skills they're crossed out and they have notes that say deprecated exclusion number x and i was wondering what you thought about this i'm uh oh what i feel about it is frustration (laughs) (laughs) um so i there's a lot of thoughts about this they're so deprecated is like, okay, we're not maintaining this anymore or, or we've turned this, this part off. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And this means that these things were features and the, the game master decided at some point, okay, we're turning off uh, glass magic, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? We're turning off uh, like the, whatever, like the glass fields exclusion zone is one of his quests. Yeah. And glass magic is also excluded. So it's like except that it whatever. seems to work within the glass fields exclusion zone, right? Because they said there's like glass monsters and shit. That's the weird thing about exclusions that I still don't get, right? And yeah. so that that's the other thing that that doesn't quite make this my understanding of this work. So I've I've developed something like a, a few guesses, but it's but <laughs> you know if I patch a video game and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't allow the the player to be able to grab this level 100 sword this early in the game. Yeah. I need to put like a. I need to put something between them and, you know, the sword. Like, I don't leave the sword there. Uh, that's a bad example. Um, you know, it's like, you, you, if you're going to disable an exploit, you don't have to leave it right there or like box off an area where it can still live. You just turn it off. I so I mean, I would think so too. Yeah, so this isn't just like patching a video game, but it seems like something like video game patches is how things get excluded. Mm-hmm. So glass, the glass magic is excluded and so is the glass fields. So like it might work only in that particular region, but it's, it seems like excluding things and excluding magics tended to like have a pretty close correspondence. That said, we don't see anything on his, he doesn't read all 256 skills to us, unfortunately, but, um, 
we don't see anything like nuclear magic or necromancy or something like that. But we know those are both excluded things, too. Yeah. Just too bad. He should have read off all the excluded ones to us. I know, right? Like, the the other thing, and this is the other main, like, evidence against, like, just the, the dungeon master or game developers or whatever patching things out to to exclude them with a capital E. Like, the citizens of Arab have some understanding of exclusions, and Amaryllis mentions that there's politics involved, right? Mm-hmm. So unless they, they have yeah, access... There's a lot of politics around exclusion zones, she said. Yeah, so, like, unless the politicians have access to the game interface at some you know highly manipulative level then it doesn't seem like it's just a matter of like the people who are running the game being like oh wait no that's broken hold on right you know that's an interesting point there's a lot of uh books out there and fantasy and actually both fantasy and sci-fi worlds where uh things will work if enough people believe in them like oftentimes that's where gods get their power just having enough people believe that the gods have that power like maybe if the politicians can get enough people to believe in something being excluded then it becomes excluded or something that's an interesting guess and it might actually help explain why you can exclude glass magic but you have to leave this region to it because people can be like well hold on i can't stop believing glass magic because i can see it right over there yeah and then they can just say no no it it only works right there now you know yeah. that said I, I don't know that would make it seem like only things that sufficient number of people n- sufficient number of people believe is possible and that make like original discoveries impossible right yeah, you could just convince people that you've learned how to fly but how would you actually you know how would you do it first you'd have to convince three billion people that you know how to fly first without being able to <laughs> Well, maybe if you're the Wright brothers, you just have to convince everybody in your local area, and then you're able to fly like 47 feet for six and a half <laughs> seconds, and then word spreads, and more and more people start believing, and you can start making better planes. Maybe. Um, in, I, I, it might be hard for you to, to separate what you know from what you thought back in the day, but do, do you remember anything going through your head when you're like, holy shit, okay, magic, and then exclusions, and that sort of thing? I, hmm... I, I don't know. I thought that I I thought that it was really interesting that exclusion zones were tied to crossed out skills on his character sheet. And it made me think that since they were on his character sheet, like in the past, these must have been skills that he could have taken, but now he can't for whatever reason. So it felt like something to do with the game to me. I mean, yeah. Okay. That's I, I don't I don't mean to, to put down the thought, but uh yeah, it has something to do with the game. You know, this is this is the secret game interface. Something something's afoot. I think um, the most interesting thing, the most interesting one to me, at any rate, like all the other ones were like magics that were like, oh, okay, magic, like the you can blow up the world with nuclear bombs. That's too strong. We got to exclude it. But like the gestalting one was really interesting because that seems to specifically work only with character sheets. It's the ability to combine two or more skills into a single skill that covers both of them, uh, and. I don't know, like, could you do that if you don't have access to the character sheet? And if it's excluded, then somebody, I mean, obviously somebody originally gestalted the lying and the stealth together, and then it got excluded somehow. Like, I'm I'm not sure what the implications were for that, and I thought it was really, that that part was really interesting. That's what I wanted to know more about the most. That's a good thing, and I, or a good call out, because I, I didn't, I mean, I noticed that, but I didn't focus on that a lot. You're right, the fact that uh, just gestalting, gestalting. That I don't know why I'm tripping up on it. Is excluded is because I'm assuming because it's too op. You know, right? If, if you, uh, God, is it a soft or a hard G? 
Gestalt. Gestalt? Uh, I don't know. How did you just say it? I said gestalting, but okay, I don't I think, actually know I think if that's right now that you say it. I think it is that kind of G. Anyway, if uh, if you if you gestalt enough skills, you basically get eighty. Yes. Right. That that just seems like cheating. If I'm the person who built the game, I'm like, well, come on, you're that's not you're <laughs> supposed to, you're supposed to limit yourself. Fuck you. And then I would just say you can't do that anymore, right? Yeah. And, like maybe you could gestalt together horticulture and uh, tree magic. Yeah. So yeah. Or yeah, I think there's tree cool. and flower magic, right? Oh, maybe you could do all three of them together. I mean, you know, at the very least, I think there's also farming and horticulture. I can't remember all the skills, but, you know, a lot of them seem to have some heavy overlap. For example, light, medium, and heavy armor. Like, yeah. in a lot that of games, those are separate handy. skills. Mm-hmm. But for armor and shields to take up a, a sum total of five things, if you include unarmored, that just seems like yeah. Uh, overkill. Yeah. I mean, unarmored, isn't that just like, living are do we have an unarmored skill right now it kind of makes you wonder what sort of perks he gets when he levels up unarmored huh i mean i'm guessing they're just damage reductions for you know or some variation thereof but like it's probably like avoiding damage in a combat situation while you're unarmored like dodging and parrying and whatever right your dodge chance goes up when you're not wearing a specific dodge skill doesn't he yes so that's a bunch of that's a bunch of uh bunch of bullshit um (laughs) Yeah, so I, you know, like some of these magics that are that are excluded, you know, um, groove casting, no idea what that means. Constriction magic, that doesn't sound all that bad. Like, it sounds like choking people, like the force. Yeah, like um, the Darth Vader thing. Yeah, there's one called Ex Nihilo from nothing. That, <laughs> that makes sense why. Awesome. That, that makes sense why that's excluded. If you're yeah. going to be, if you're patching out uh, too hacky of things, but <laughs> it, it doesn't like there's not quite a rhyme or reason to these that I can figure out just yet. Um, oh, and there is a language skill, for example, but he doesn't have it unlocked. So like it, this actually does help me understand a little bit of stuff. Like I think, and you, you pulled this out later and we can talk about it then too, if there's any more thoughts on it, but like uh, he's learning dwarfish, right? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have a language skill, right? So you can do things and get better at them without having an associated skill. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, th- this was the next thing I pulled out, like with the armor skills, he said he didn't have any, but he doesn't have no skill with armor. He'd been wearing it for quite a while, and he'd gotten like better at knowing how to put it on and how to move in it. And he said, if you were trying to describe me, you couldn't just leave a zero in that skill. And I personally thought that that supported my uh, idea that skills are things that give you boosts beyond what your skill you already have. So they aren't they aren't descriptive of you. They're descriptive of how much of a boost you're getting from the game layer. I think that makes a lot of sense. The only thing that trips me up on that is that I seem to remember when he was practicing um, tattoo magic that his art maxed out at six, and like he just couldn't get any better. Maybe Again, because think- at that point he has to practice like a regular person, and it actually takes real investment. Yeah, it takes real effort and real weeks of time as opposed to just, you know, doodling for a half hour. <laughs> so this this might mean that he's not, you know, locking himself out of tattoo magic because he does end up removing art. We'll talk about that. But uh, he he's he can still pr- learn to draw. He just, yeah. just get, he's going to do it the long way. Yep. OK, yeah, I, I like that. I think that that makes sense. Um I'm trying to just think back of every time we've seen him do anything that involved a skill. And 
I can't imagine why. I, I, I think you're right. I think that he can get better at things without having it. And all you get from having a skill in it is bonus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's like some vagaries about like what the soul is and like how it works, even when he's in there looking at his, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also, I think, highly likely that this isn't what um, uh, Folliter sees when he looks at his soul. You know, it, yeah. it, it's probably somewhat more nebulous without just straight up numbers. Yeah. But maybe... I, it- he did have this interesting, well, I mean, two things. First of all, when he looked at his companions, he saw that they had uh, more than 40 skills. Uh, he was the only one with the hard 40 limits. So I feel like for companions, it probably is descriptive since they don't seem to get boosts. I don't know. Um, until they got the, the well. Um, but then he also puts, why would the dungeon master give me specific skills that he knew I was going to drop, assuming that he did know? Because in his 40 skills, he saw some that were pretty darn useless and he was just going to drop them and like i don't know maybe it's just because you needed some sort of default starting sheet and it was kind of semi-randomly populated I think- that's my that's my guess i think that you know they he they made enough references early on to how he just was like default character yeah you know, if, more- if you rushed character creation and just hit yes give me the minimum number of everything i need and just kept pressing x so you could start playing you might get this kind of character right exactly yeah, I think the more interesting question is why the DM or whoever gave him a gestalted skill if those aren't allowed anymore. That seems like something that got snuck through. or But I can't imagine like it having snuck through. Like It seems, I would imagine it's intentional. That one seems like a heavy mystery to me because uh, gestalting was deprecated in exclusion number four. Yeah, that's an early one. I'm assuming, yeah, that they're numbered in order that they happened. So... Like this has been, it's not like this was somehow somehow excluded under the hood in the last two months when he was on Arab, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how, and we even remarked on that earlier on in the story when he's, uh, he's creeping around in comfort. And then at some point he lies to somebody and both of them give him deception increases. Yeah. And we're like, you know, they're, they're related. Sure. You know, you're lying about your location and uh, like, but you really have to have to squint, right? Mm-hmm. And the game agrees. It says that yeah, you can't. And in fact, so when basically he's trying to, uh, well, he notices when he's looking at his character sheet that it's there's some indication there that has error, illegal construction. Um, and uh, then later when he's trying to leave, he can't actually leave his character sheet until yeah. he fixes the errors. And uh, it's um, I don't quite know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a skill named custom, which I'm assuming is like if you're playing D&D, you could probably just bargain with the DM when you're building your character. Like, hey, look, I want to be able to do this. You know, can we mm-hmm. can we make a skill for it? And is that sort of what you imagine that was for? That was my assumption. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that makes sense for me. Um, I think he he has a skill called spirit that I think he he trims. I'll have to skim through that section later. But uh, like. Because he doesn't know what it does. I don't know. To, I don't know. Does spirit sound important to you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me too. It it sounds like um I don't know. It sounds like a soul thing. Although he has soul already, so but probably something pretty important. Yeah. I mean, it could be like a buff system, right? Where yeah. maybe you can increase your. I don't know. Spirit is a, a capital S. Spirit is a thing in a lot of games. Yeah. Um. Oh, I wanted we both pulled up bits about this. So he he looks over like he finds his values and 
it's at first it's like this hard to read kind of series of circles and then he's he's kind of like man this is an english was a list and then boom it's a list and uh first off level up is his highest value yeah and i forget what number they're at but tiff and fen are tied and arthur's at six um i don't know if they're tied they were the next two but i'm they, were they tied oh i see okay maybe it doesn't say that they're tied they are the next biggest two though Okay. Yeah. So T- Tiff and Fen combined aren't as big as the circle for level up. So he cares more about leveling up than he does about both Tiff and Fen put together. No, uh, no, no. It wasn't bigger than the next two. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, so at least he doesn't care about that more than both of them put together, but it's still bigger than any one of them individually. Yeah. So there's there's a couple things to unpack there, I guess. One, um, oh, I was like skimming the book for this quote and I pulled it out right here. Uh, I looked over it in dismay, not just because the circles were horrible for data visualization. The biggest, by quite a large margin, was simply labeled level up. It wasn't bigger than the next two, Tiff and Fen combined. Um, To me, this is proof positive that he's got a problem, right? (laughs) Yes. When it's the most important thing in your life more than your current loved ones. Yeah. I mean, it's. I I am looking forward to talking about Amaryllis's and Fen's um, value list as well, but like it. you know, if self-preservation might be a good number one or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. or finish the game, solve the mystery, something, something, but not like jonesing for an orgasm. Like that's, <laughs> that seems like a lot. And Arthur was at number six. Um, yeah. And he's, he, he, when I pulled that out too, what did he says? Arthur was sixth. And what did that say about me as a person? What did it say about me that Tiff, Tiff still looms so large? And I mean, my first comment, like, I still get the feeling that Arthur should have been number one or maybe number two. And my first comment is that he's assuming the game is showing his actual true values, but like, maybe it's not, maybe it's wrong. Um, But on the other hand, he also does seem to accept what the game is saying. So maybe he was just sort of hiding from that truth before. He does say that he didn't like looking at the list since it had too many hard truths to it. Yeah. Like he doesn't say this doesn't seem right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it could be that, you know, he's looking at it. He's like, well, this must be true. This is my character sheet. And he's just accepting it. As yeah. far as I, my, my current position is that the DM hasn't misinformed him. Um, I, I, I do too. Yeah. Were there any That's, examples we can think of where like the DM says one thing and actually another works? Nothing. No, that comes to I don't mind. think so. Yeah. So, so far the DM has been a perfect source of truth. Um, other or at than least not a outright liar. Yeah. Like he can have creative solutions to problems. There is something with like how he escaped from uh, Carlaga that was like surprising with the quest updates, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't like violate what the DM said. You know, if he, if if Solus had been able to cure his bone magic, for example, or his bone itis, yeah, then that would have been like, ah, look, the DM didn't know this, right? Right. Um, I don't know. My thought when when I read that thing about Arthur being six and stuff was that. I bet we'd all find it unsettling to see our preferences slash cares like laid out in order like this. Uh, you know, we could all lay out what we think it is, but I, I suspect that for basically everybody, we wouldn't get it right, especially if we would, went down to like 20 items. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I could rank my top 20 values in the actual order that my brain actually cares about them. Yeah. And I certainly think I would be very much um, in the self-deception mode. Like, no, no, I actually really care about this thing. And then it turns out like my number one actual care is, I don't know, coffee or video games or something yeah like it it would probably be disconcerting to see that whatever orgasming is more important to me than uh (laughs) the person you orgasm with 
Right. Or, or just like, you know, um, the well-being of, of my friend or something. It's, it just seems like, uh, that, that, that's probably just the, you know, brains are weird. And actually this jumps nicely into the next quote I pulled out. Um, so June's thinking, he says, I kept thinking that this was not how humans were. Let's say that you actually could take someone through a trillion different tests, pairwise comparisons, like, uh, would you rather eat a hamburger from Culver's or spend 20 minutes playing Tetris a year from now? And then you crunched that enormous amount of information. The result that you got back wouldn't even be sensible because people weren't sensible. Concepts were shifting and mercurial. I could think differently about a given person based on the last word out of their mouth or the setting I was in or any number of things. That was, to my understanding at least, how the human brain worked. And I, I think he's right. Um, yeah. I don't think that actually invalidates his th- what he's seeing here, though. Like, I, I bet his preference order would change if he had breakfast or if he didn't have breakfast. And certainly the more meals he went without, the higher get food will show up on his values list, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that this kind of messiness is exactly what I would expect rather than like violating my expectations. You mean the the messiness of the character sheet? Well, he's just like, I, I don't think this is how human beings are. And I'm like, I think this is exactly how we are. Like, the, you know, I guess what he's saying is that I don't think you can assign a number to stuff maybe. But right. to, to the extent that one could, I would just say, sure, you can. Just those numbers move around a lot all the time. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I think I think he has a good point. Although maybe like you could take as an average, like on average, most of the time, this is roughly how much you care about leveling up versus Tiff versus Fen. Um, you know, so special circumstances notwithstanding. That's a really good point. I think that this probably is an average. Because now that I think about it, I mean... I don't know if he sees his value sheet after he feels like he's under attack, but at that moment, your number one value would be like escape danger, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it usurps everything else. So if it, you know, and if his wasn't Fens and Amaryllis's didn't have like stay safe from Folliter as one of their top five values, even though in that minute, it probably is. I think he's being confused by like what he's been told about the soul versus what he's seeing. Cause like the next quote you pulled out is the soul made sense as a report or a visualization. That wasn't what the soul purported to be though. It was meant to work as the mind, not just a report on it. And changing the soul meant changing the mind. Um, and yeah, maybe there's like some disconnect between what the people of Arab think a soul is and what he's seeing. And that's throwing him off. And Maybe the game is presenting to him something slightly different from what most people experience. I don't know. Yeah, that that's what I was curious about. Is he says that the soul that wasn't what it's purported to be, and I'm like purported by who? You know that yeah. that is my naive Earth understanding of a soul. Yeah. But is that some fact you learned on Arab about souls? Well, I mean, the interesting thing is that like he's looking at basically a report, but apparently, if you change things in the report, it changes the person as well, right? Like if you change the bones in the soul, then on in real life the bones alter. If you, I guess, supposedly, if you alter the values, so like Arthur gets a lot higher or Sven gets a lot smaller, then I'm supposing in real life he would start caring a lot more and a lot less about those things. Kind of like uh, like all Volunteer's values clones valued Volunteer a whole lot. So, so it's not just a report. If you know, changing the report changes real life too. It's kind of like one of those, you know, um reverse portrait things uh where the way you paint the portrait is what happens out in the world yeah it as long as you allow magic to be a thing that nothing sound, strikes me about that as incongruous right yeah 
Like, of I course mean, it works both ways. This is, this is, <laughs> I'm looking at a presentation of my soul. I just change this value here and boom, my soul's different. Now, like on earth, if I got a print out of my soul on paper, I couldn't just like cross out whatever strength and put in a hundred, right? Yeah. Because that, well, I, mean, I, guess, I could, but that wouldn't do anything. I guess what he's saying that is that like, yeah, you can do that, but there's still a mind somewhere that runs based on these values and he's not seeing that mind here in the soul. It seems to be like a separate thing. And he's like, I can monkey with these souls and that's going to change what the brain does because the brain runs using these values. But they, you know, wh- where's the, the brain interface? Everyone else was telling me that's what the soul is, that the soul goes to hell and that's what motivates bodies, but it doesn't look like it to him. That's a really good point. You know, so like, because he, he's thinking, there was thought earlier that he had where it's like, you know, there's nothing in here about like, like algorithms to approach problems or like ways to behave, like the kinds of things that my mind does and, or the kinds of things my mind does. And if, if all that goes to hell is a copy of your memories, your values, uh, your, a, a representation of your skeleton and um, whatever, a handful of other things, like who's being tortured? You know, where, where's your sentience? Where, where is the mind? The mind, it doesn't seem to be painted in this picture. You know, the mind is distinct on, from memories. Yeah. I think it depends on how good of a copy they can make with that information in hell. Cause yeah, at least from they, what they, they seem to be reconstructing a copy or something. Yeah. I mean, that still sucks. I wouldn't want to be the copy that's, that's wakes up and be, is being tortured. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, we get a, a, dive into in a couple chapters here about what about the hell thing about yeah. hell and we we'll, we'll save it to unpack later because i i don't know um we've got we've got a lot to look at there so uh yes but as we're all having fun being immersed swimming around in his character sheet he feels a hand on his knee and dude that line just out of the blue like i got some serious poopers just just reading that oh yeah and it's funny because I hadn't been thinking about his body for a long time either. And he's like, I was only dimly aware of my body and he's also blind, but um, like he, he, he flails so he, he can move his body, but he still can't see and he can't leave his character sheet. And yeah. I just put like, oh shit, not only is, is, you know, this dark wizard ruining my fun of him looking at his character sheet, but you do not want him touching you. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, it was a touch on his knee, you know, maybe it was Amaryllis showed back up or something and, when he does get out, Grack says it was him. Um, yeah. And uh, when when you took notes here, I, I noticed you didn't put anything in about how he ruined his entire build. So <laughs> we've got to talk about that briefly. Okay. Um, so he, he's he's like, oh shit, I'm under attack. I got to get out. And then the game won't let him. It's like, no, no, you can't have this gestalted, gestalted uh, um, skill. So he's like, okay, fuck it. Chop deception. And then it's like, okay, well, before you hit save, just so you know, skill changes can only be done once per hundred levels uh, divided by skill and essentialism. And he's like, well, fuck me. Like, if I, you if know I can't do this again for a long time, I better capitalize on this. I, You know, once I just thought, once you mentioned that, that it wouldn't let him log out with the gestalted skill that's still there, maybe it was put in intentionally so that the first time he looked at his soul, uh, he would be forced to go through all the skills and decide which ones he wanted for himself instead of just taking the default character package. Like sort of a, hey, uh, you you know, you know, took the default no work way out when you made your character, but now you actually got to sit down and look at these things and make some decisions. I like that although, a lot. Yeah, although now he's under time pressure, so he doesn't really make that many decisions. Well, e- either the, the 
the character creator slash dungeon master, whatever, knew that he'd be in the situation when he first looked at his soul and thought it would be funny or yeah. didn't just gave him the character sheet and said, okay, cool. This will be great. If you do look at your soul ever, you'll be forced to reroll some skills. Yeah. And that's actually, that's a cool, I, I, I am content with that explanation. Uh, it forced him to actually look at his skill sheet and say, you know what? Uh, forget it. I, I don't need, um, well, I don't know. So he makes some, he makes some smart and some, in my opinion, fucking stupid choices on rerolling his character sheet. Um, like getting rid of shotguns. It's only the most useful gun in a zombie apocalypse. It's true. You know, I, I, I can sympathize. The one, you know, it's, I think Amaryllis calls it the same thing. It's like, why do you have five skills for shielding yourself from damage? Mm-hmm. Like that is insane. So anyway, um, I got to read this just to run through these. So I started because he wants to capitalize on this opportunity as long as he has to do it. Right. And it's yeah. it's scarce. Um, so I started started in on the cuts. The first thing that I didn't see the point of and hadn't even unlocked alchemy, smithing, woodworking, livestock. And then the ones that I uh, didn't have unlocked and thought were subpar gold magic, shotguns, steel magic, wards, snip, snip, snip. Um, Art and music had to go because they were flavor, not utility. Uh, and then he tosses out pistols because uh, he's like, eh, you know, I'm using rifles at long range and I use swords close up. So um, it, steel magic, uh, it, oh, I guess wards was one of the ones that he chopped out that might have been worth keeping. You know, gold magic seems like it's not worth the trouble. Um, does it say that he kept like revision magic and uh, what was it? Um velocity magic is that the one still magic I think still magic i think if he'd cut those we would have been told okay good i just didn't know if i put it in my notes or not i could have sworn that it said um oh here it was uh he's looking at um so i started adding skills back into the mix shields unarmored medium heavy uh and presumably light armor or did he not no, put in he light, didn't armor? Do light armor no that's idiotic that is the best armor <laughs> it provides the least amount of protection but I mean, it, I guess it hinders your provide. movement the least, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. If if I needed to not be hindered, I'd probably go with unarmored as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I feel slightly better about it with the fact that he didn't uh, also do light armor. But again, shields, I, you know, unless he's going to be able to Captain America his way through the next fight, like being okay with a shield and being great with a shield isn't that big of a difference, you know? Yeah. I, I guess it just seems like of all the things. I so, mean, I agree, but also they seem to have like some cool bonuses at either 10 or 20 and maybe he'd get something really cool. Like, yeah. you know, Captain America, your shield. Exactly. It'll pinball off, to, off of up to four enemy craniums on its way back to your hand or something, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, So then does he add in uh, vibrational magic, still magic, tree magic, and fire magic? Uh, I think so. I, yes. Yeah. And then the varieties of some magic, which I didn't have, some of which were mysteries. So that's kind of cool. And then, so he he does get still magic added in here and vibrational magic. I don't know what that is. Uh, tree magic, I guess, is distinct from flower magic. And yet, Solace made Ents out of out of trees with flower magic. Mm-hmm. Um, fire magic, I look forward to being surprised by how not straightforward it is, but it sure sounds like I know what that does. Maybe tree magic is a, a programming joke and it's about using binary trees for magic. <laughs> yeah it's it's really just he's gonna be great at like sorting information in his head Um, i can whiteboard my way into any job (laughs) Um, he also picks up analysis and debate 
I yes. I mean, I guess we didn't get to see the full list of social traits that he could have just shoved in there. They also didn't have to be social skills. Um, but I think he just felt like he should have something, right? I kind of feel like debate is one of the worst social skills because it's it's never useful outside of like a formal setting. And maybe it is useful outside, but it, it rarely makes you friends. And mostly with your the strength of social skills is that you get friends who then become allies and help you. And you don't get that with debate. You just get to make people angry at you when you prove them wrong. I guess you can effectively argue them into becoming your friend. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it, could. it seems like a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be one of those perks again. I To me, that I, I'm curious what else he had to choose from. So I can't say this is like literally suboptimal, but or I guess literally uh, the opposite of optimal, whatever, the worst choice he could make. But it seems basically pointless. You know, yeah. it most of his conflicts aren't resolved through words anyway. So there's no sense in trying to argue the golems at the prison when you can just kill them. Yeah. But analysis sounds like it might be useful. Maybe that's gonna be some Sherlocking stuff. Actually, maybe that debate, now that I come to think of it, you're right. Most of his social sk- skills aren't used for, um, for problem solving. Debate could be useful if like he ever goes in front of a United Nations kind of thing or, uh, you know, tries to, uh, the, 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 what was it? Um, Hermione's trial. I forget what they called that now. Oh, the, the Wizengamot. Yeah, the Wizengamot. That's right. Maybe in those kinds of settings, debate could be actually pretty darn handy. Yeah, if he ever gets involved with, with any sort of law enforcement, I guess, you know, and has to defend himself in court. Um, well, if he's going to try to take over the world and recreate an empire like Uther did, then having the, the you know, the support of a Wizengamot is probably going to help. It didn't even occur to me to try and get anyone's permission. I would have just done it through force alone. <laughs> <laughs> I am your god now. Kneel. That's exactly what I was thinking. Basically <laughs> nice. word for word. And it's like, what? I don't have to win a debate. Look up my magic powers. Fuck you guys. Here's, how's this for a debate? I won't I won't shatter your planet if you let me become dictator of everything. Not bad. You make a compelling point. <laughs> I, I'm sold, yeah. Um, all right, so he... he. I think those are all the changes he makes. And then he... he I, I liked oh. your comment that this is more tense and exciting and stressful than I could have hoped for a chapter like this, which is a darn good point. Like I was also the first time I read this, like really stressed out about this and quickly like picking skills and, you know, they might be suboptimal and oh my God, he's got to get out of here because who knows what's happening on the other side. You know, it was darn good writing. Yeah, I I was already excited about the chapter and then I didn't know I would also be sitting there, you know, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so when he gets out, um, Grack is standing there like a true homie with his axe out yeah. between himself and, uh, Folliter. And then there, of course, there's the concern that really, uh, Grack is now a double agent and has been manipulated by, by the dark Lord here. So, um, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Um, so I, I know how it turns out because I've read ahead, but when I was reading this, I it's hard to say because everyone keeps treating Grack, um, Grack like he's a potential threat, which is fair and important. And that makes you think, you know, that's that's a good point. Maybe he has been compromised, but like he's acting like Grack. And I think, you know, there'd be some signs maybe that uh, he wouldn't want to go along with all these precautions they're taking if he was compromised. Like, I I put small odds on him actually being compromised, maybe like 10, 15%. Yeah, that, that's sort of where my intuition was at, too. You know, because he's, he's going along with the sequestering and 
he's like, well, I was going to put a board to protect us tonight. And they're like, no, you can't because your words can kill us. And he's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. the more sensible he is, the more he's seen as like a double agent, right? So it, <laughs> that's exactly what a double agent would say. I, it, it's 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 damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. It's yeah. Uh, what was that great McCarthy line about? Uh, well, the absence of you know communist attacks just shows how subtle their uh, their. It's the greatest evidence for communism of all. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I when I think of it that way. I'm like, oh, then he's definitely been my jammy. So <laughs> I, in half my moods, I'm like, oh, okay, there's like a 5% chance. Grax chill as fuck. And then like, no, it's probably 90. You know, he's probably got him. But uh, at the very least, he couldn't be more, you know, bro about it. Um, yeah. He's like, look, I get it. It makes sense to leave me, um, you know, keep me sidelined on this just because this is how we have to behave. There's, there's a, a threat here, but that's just I mean, what is... you would say if you were told, wait until you can kill them or, you know, be my double agent or something. Right. I guess like, this is exactly how I'd want every rationalist to, to react to like just understanding. Yeah. I mean, I know you can't trust me. We'll have to find a way to, to get over that. And until then we'll have to work in a trustless system. Like it seemed a it just, it was, he he was doing the right thing. They were all doing the right thing, and there didn't seem to be any subterfuge. I like. I think you pointed out in your notes that Fen probably would not have been nearly so cool with being excluded from stuff. Oh yeah, I want to discuss that. Um, I guess the, the the last thing I was thinking about because this is what you would want like a rational group of people to do, right? Yeah. Um, like you're dealing Implement with protocols. Exactly. There's there's a word for that in um, the Worm and Ward stories. There's two classes of powers that involve mental fuckery and they're called master and stranger. And they just, there's a word for it in your, your parahumans training uh, regiment called master stranger protocols, which is basically if you feel like you might've been compromised, you announce that to your team and they take the appropriate measures to keep you under, under wraps. They don't let you make decisions. You're no longer in charge, that sort of stuff. And like, and you're also supposed to honor that if someone calls, you know, says that to you, right? This this mm-hmm. is the appropriate way to act when someone's running around who can mess with your brain. Um, yeah. It's, but like I said, I so I think I put in my notes somewhere that like you know this seems all ridiculously over the top paranoid, and yet it's exactly like the kind of thing that would bite us in the ass if we weren't supremely paranoid. Frankly, yeah. it'll be really fun misdirect if Crack actually is compromised. Yeah, yeah, and he's just playing the perfect sleeper agent. All right, so. Uh oh yeah, so he gets out and he tries to grab uh, a witness. Yes, um, Valencia, right? Yes. Oh no, no, Ropey. Well, are we talking about Valencia or Ropey here? Uh, Valencia, right now, he doesn't think of Ropey. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, the they try to ask Valencia, but then they're like, "Well, that doesn't really help at all because maybe she has a demon in her, or even if she doesn't, maybe she." has just been abused by Valentor so much that she's scared. Like, I, I don't know if she's going back to him or if she's going to be near him, but still possibly scared of him. Like if you've been kidnapped by someone for 16 years or however old she is, you, you start to develop weird paranoias and behaviors. Yeah. I mean, he can't manipulate her soul. So at the very least, you know, she's not worried that he'll hurt my soul or something, but he could just hit her. You know, if he's, yeah. he seems like an asshole that would do that. But mm-hmm. um, I, to me, it's just really funny because you know, you might as well ask. She's right there. But 
it's it's a complete unknown as to whether or not she's going to ever offer good information. You know, yeah. un- until he has some way of knowing if she's possessed or not. There's there's it's kind of just like a politeness to ask what she thinks or you know what what her thoughts are or what her memory of an incident was mm. because you don't know if you're getting hers or you're getting a demon. Um I that reminds me. Um they mention I guess that's in the next chapter actually or later on they talk about demons and devils or something. And it seems like there's a distinction there, but I'm not sure. Um, anyway, they they she she does say, nope, there's nothing. But I did notice on my second read that like she looks over to uh, Folliter before she answers. Yeah. And she's like, uh, it's it's like they said. And it's like, OK, well, great. I don't know, man. Like that. That seems like weak evidence in favor of it being that way. But it's very weak evidence, right? Yeah. Can't really trust anything she says, unfortunately. Yeah. And even without the like the possession like you said this is her abusing captor possibly surrogate father figure like mm-hmm. who knows what her feelings are towards this guy if, if she can have feelings um mm-hmm. i mean you might as well ask because she's there but it's, it, the answer is basically pointless right yeah. uh, unless she could say uh, yes in fact i filmed it here on my phone like that would be helpful <laughs> that would have been very good or little, do you know that like, they don't have phones? Yeah, well, soul people or soulless people, we don't have souls, but what we do have is the ability to project our memories like a hologram a la Star nice. Wars. And like, you know, so if she had an answer like that, great. But uh, well, even then, too, I would assume that's demon magic and I was being shown a lie, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pointless. Anyway, um, so Amaryllis comes back. And when she does, one of the first things June says is Greg should be assumed compromised. And Amaryllis replies, you'd know that means you're assumed compromised too, which was not something that I had realized uh, when I was first reading it, but eh, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, that, yeah, no one can trust June either since it's only him and Grack there, and th- this is going to be a problem. Yeah, from her perspective, I immediately understood that, like, okay, well, if he's compromised, then I assume you are too. Like, you know, I, I have no idea what happened when, when I was gone, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for her, but like like June points out, it's like, well, I could have just like not said anything. If we were both compromised, we would have just acted normal, right? But if That's everything exactly went exactly what you would say if you were compromised, man. How how does Mad Eye Moody sleep at night? <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not sure he does. He sleeps with one eye open, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um there was uh oh, I guess before uh Right before Amarillo shows back up. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Ahead. I did uh, jump ahead. Okay. No, no, it was just a couple quick things because he's asking about like, all right, for, we're going to keep the lesson going, but forget looking at the soul. Um, apparently, this seductive quality of, of the Zen state of being in there is common among people without character sheets, too. But yeah, uh, he's like, all right, fuck it. Tell me about healing bones. And he's like, well, you know, you saw the skeleton in there. And he's like, yeah, well, you noticed that you've got bones on one hand and bones on another. And he looks down and he's like, my hands aren't symmetrical, like even before this. And he says, mm-hmm. they will be. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I don't know why, but that sounds so foreboding. Like it really does. You know, it's okay. Well, I guess that's the price of, you know, messing with my bones is that my hands are going to be basically reverse copies of each other. Not the end of the world, but like just something about like, that's just him being matter of fact. It's like, no, they, they will be when you're done. And like that. I mean, you, you don't that, you don't get to pick what they look like that's that's what you have to work with it i mean sure i guess he could have said you know it in that tone of voice but i read it very much more like oh they will be kind of thing you know absolutely same here i it just seems foreboding um i 
I almost think it's because, like, I almost heard Yoda when he said that. It may be just because we've seen Empire Strikes Back so many times. And, like, the closest line to that is, like, when Luke says, I'm not scared of a tree or whatever. And Yoda says, oh, you will be. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, boy. Maybe that's what he's going for here. Uh, Everything is a reference. hmm. Um, All right. So then the question is, because he's, I forgot that he did all of his ribs. I couldn't remember how many of it was, but I knew it was plenty of them. Apparently it's all of them, which is no good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Surprised they're not shattering as often as his hand is, but maybe just because they're bigger bones and their, their default robustness to breaking is higher, but uh, it swung around as much either. That too. But I mean, you think like, Oh yeah, I slipped in the shower and broke 10 ribs. Like that would just be a thing that (laughs) happens to him now. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, I was, I was twisting to crack my back when I woke up this morning and broke two of them. Like, I mean, oh, jeez! Because he broke one of his hands. He broke bones in his hands Opening trying to trying to open a jar. Like yeah, yeah. He's he's just a glass cannon right now. He's barely a cannon. Um. Anyway, the last thing I wanted to pull out was that he's like, okay, well, hypothetically, if I didn't have another hand, and he's like, well, hypothetically, if you didn't, then you'd have to you know borrow the image from the soul of another. You'd need access to their soul. And you could either like, he says, copy, he says, take as an approximate term, uh, copy might be better, but that doing this with another, with another person's soul is more difficult and prone to failure. That said, I suspect June will have an easier time with it, but I wanted to, to pull that out because he won't be able to fix his ribs without accessing another person. And so either like, it'll be some bad person he can feel okay about possibly ruining their soul slash bones, or like he'll risk seriously hurting a friend yeah so not not good i mean i i would think you know i i don't i don't like the idea of me going up to a poor person and saying hey how about i get to have your soul for 60 bucks because you're broke like and yet they've got lots of gold bars if you give somebody like hey look you seem like you're kind of destitute would you like a gold bar you never have to work again for the rest of your admittedly now shorter life if i can have your ribs um I, there are probably people who would who would be okay with that deal. There's people that make much worse deals all the time. Yeah. Like going into work in a mine lowers your life quite a bit and you don't get nearly as much as a gold bar out of it. <laughs> That's true. Plus, um, you still got to work for all those hours every week. Yeah, fuck that. Um, all right. Yeah. So when Amaryllis comes back, she uh, she's like, well, we can't ask the, the soulless, uh, uh, the, the non-anima. She's completely unreliable. What about the eternal golden braid? And I forgot that was Ropey's name. I did too. That's how he has to sign his checks. But uh, <laughs> colloquially, he's known as Ropey. And she thinks it's suspiciously inconvenient that uh, Ropey was in his bag. That's, that is suspiciously inconvenient, though. And it's going to make everything more difficult. They're, like Any time they go anywhere, there's going to have to be at least two non-compromised people all the time around. Like like when you're trying to play Among Us. And it's just <laughs> going to be like that for, I don't know how long even. Just moving around in trios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only person that we've heard say that like the soul reverts back is um, is Folliter, right? He, he has yeah. every incentive to set that up as a long con lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I don't think it's suspicious that, that Ropey was in his back or in his backpack like he always is. And right. Amaral, he even points out, he's like, yeah, you didn't think of it either. You know, we, this was not a situation either of us foresaw. So still, um, yeah, inconvenient. It does suck, but I don't think it's suspiciously inconvenient. It's just a drag. Well, you get enough things that are drags and they start to add up to something that may be suspicious. 
That's true. If if the if the rope was out when she left and then suddenly, oh no, it was in my bag and she's like, I know I saw him wrapped around your shoulder, like Oh then, yeah. Then that would have been super sus. But mm-hmm. th- this was just uh like, no, why would I th- I didn't even know that the possibility of me losing my mind and being unavailable to the outside world was going to be a thing. You know, why would I have put up a wit like put up a guard that wasn't crack? So uh, it granted Moody would have done it, but Moody would also have six time turned versions of himself watching the situation. So like at all times, <laughs> that, that's how he sleeps. He sleeps in shifts while the while the rest of his time turned <laughs> selves watch. Right. That's that may be it. God. Uh, all right. Um, so let's move to the next chapter, Kindred Soul. Yes. Which I think so. I joked about last chapter or last episode as I bet that's talking about the soulless person. And it kind of is for a second, kind of but is. then it's then it moves on. So uh, the idea, well, they're going to go like, I guess, properly interrogate her. But uh, uh, yeah, yes, that's sort that's of. about it. Um, everyone's kind of uh, separated out. And Grack is being a super good sport about being possibly mind whammied. Um, yeah. Which I guess we talked about earlier because we're jumping all around. Yeah. Like I said, I just think that uh, if, if it was Fen, it's like, what? No, he didn't touch me. How dare you? Like that, you insult mm-hmm. me like that. And it's like, you are acting so suspicious right now. You know, mm-hmm. it would be perfectly in character for her. In fact, if she acted this reasonable when, if, if she was here standing guard <laughs> instead, it'd be like, oh, yeah. you're definitely possessed. But and see, damned either way. <laughs> there's there's no safe way out of this until you can verify. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Um, anyway, they ask Val if she's currently possessed. He he renames her uh, Valencia because um, n- null or non anima is not a good name, and yeah. uh, she says no. But obviously, this doesn't mean anything. And apparently, demons and or devils. I could dig some clarification on that. Uh, can access yeah. memories super easily. So pretending to be Val possessing her would be simple. Uh, no info on how long possession lasts slash why demons would decide to leave or something like that. So, you know, I don't know if she's possessed two hours a day or 22 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think we were really told. I guess it depends on like how thin the veil between worlds is or something. And I don't know what the thinness is in this area. I wonder if it's like literal proximity from hell. No, that that's probably not it. Cause that would mean that like, cause she's been in the prison her whole life, which would be the same. Well, I guess they didn't ask her for her base rate of possession. But in any case, they mentioned devils and demons, and I kind of just conflate the two in my head. So uh, I do, too. Um, I guess this is, doesn't really spoil anything because we find out soon enough. Uh, but devils and demons are like two actually different things. OK, that, that makes sense because they keep referring to them differently. Yeah. Um, and th- so this this does pull out. So she says, uh, I'm not possessed. And Amarillo says, the only information that conveys is that you're not a demon. Congratulations on that. And June's like, don't be a bitch. And uh, she's, you know, he, he was tired and worn out. And she's like, sorry. She's also rubbing her face. She says, I'm I'm tired. This is, she gestures at Valencia. It's a bad idea. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, like, can demons not lie about being possessed? Or was she just being, as June put it, bitchy? Uh, I don't remember exactly what the details are. But it, it, a devil can definitely lie about whether she's being possessed at the moment or not. So maybe demons can't. I don't know. Well, and maybe like an actual demon can't, but she's she's not an actual demon. She's being possessed by one, you know, like. Oh, I, well, OK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of my understanding of, of demons and devils and devils are just bad angels in my layman's understanding, which comes from the TV show Supernatural. Um, cool. 
and demons possess people all the time, but they, I try to think if they have their memories or not. I assume that they do because they can be like sleeper agents, right? So you you make a bad sleeper if your whole history was wiped, but yeah, they can, they can lie. They can do whatever they want. They just can't whatever, drink holy water or touch a cross or something. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, they, they conclude that, well, I guess interrogating her is not helpful. So, uh, I just like how she says, I'm not possessed. And it's like, well, great. Thanks. Yeah, of course you're not. <laughs> how, how, you know, what am I supposed to read into that? So I, it, it's just, I don't know. Her whole thing, I, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Right now, it just seems like she's going to be an enormous burden on the group. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be really interesting on how they resolve it. But I'm kind of just like, man, we don't need this right now. You're, you're, you are so much dead weight to our, our mission. Well, complications are what makes things interesting, right? It, it wouldn't be any fun if they could just stroll through everything. It would be really boring if there were no problems to him solving uh, or no no obstacles to him solving his problems, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I pulled out this thing next where uh, her loyalty goes up again and he thinks about how the game is referring to her as null point or exception. And then he thinks that it might not be an actual error in the game. It's just like the DM fucking around. He says, I don't think it was possible to crash the game, but I was still a little leery. And then like, Thinking on it a little bit more, he says it's sort of like the various layers of the game uh, had had been cobbled together by agents working on different goals, and it was entirely possible that I was living in the equivalent of a AAA game that someone had downloaded a lot of half-baked mods for, which I find kind of scary. It had not occurred to me that that could be the case, but uh, yeah, maybe the world is much closer to crashing because you're running on something that some alien teen has modded up to fucking back. But I would really like to see us some uh, friendship is magic dragons running around because that would be awesome. <laughs> the the only thing that makes me think that it's not just like some half baked mod build of this game is that I, I I mean there would probably be a lot more overpowered things available. You know yeah. it, when you're modding you you know you add textures and make things look better. Then again, the only time I played a modded playthrough of anything was uh, Skyrim Special Edition, and I just did all the immersive mods that I could add. And so the game was much harder. You had to eat, sleep, like you have to stay warm. And there's lots of cold areas of, in Skyrim. Um, oh, Jesus. You hate yourself. I, I enjoyed it. It, it you know, because so much of it, once you get around, you just start fast traveling everywhere and, you know, teleporting across the, the continent to to turn in for missions. But like, there's still a fast travel system. You can go to a, take a, a cart or something, but not being able just to teleport from town to town, it made it more immersive. More immersive. Um, yeah, always does. So this this could be that. But I don't know if I was modding the game, I wouldn't exclude. I don't know. I, I it depends uh, that I, my only thought on that was like it, it says a, the equivalent of a triple A game that someone had downloaded with a, a, a lot of half baked mods for. And I was like, ha, or a triple A game on release week when it's still full of bugs. <laughs> yeah. When it's still unplayable. Yeah. Games don't come out playable anymore unless you're getting like console exclusives. Those tend to be pretty good. Even then, not always. Not always. Less and less so nowadays because consoles can push updates too. Oh yeah, totally. I guess I'm mainly just thinking, then again, I played it maybe a year after it came out, but God of War was perfect. And I am going to buy a PlayStation 5 to play God of War 2 when it when we finally get a date for it. So nice. uh, anyway, well, God of War Ragnarok, which I guess is like 6 or something. But right. anyway... Bit, I, oh, sorry. No, nah, nothing. It was a tangent. Go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll push through. Uh, I just wanted to point out that, like, I think um, Val is short for Valencia. So Val's loyalty goes up to seven when he says, I'll figure out a way to stop you from 
stop this from happening, the possession. And A, apparently it's really easy to earn the loyalty of someone who's been a punching bag in a cage for, I guess, her entire life. And yeah. also, what a good guy. You know, he doesn't have to make this his immediate first thing to say to her, basically. But he gives her a name. He's trying to humanize her. He tells Amaryllis, like, look, she has an affliction. I'm not going to devalue her over something that's completely beyond her control. You know, yeah. where I, like, I, the rest of the world treats her like a monster. And he's like, she's yeah. got a problem. You know, come on. I get the distinct impression he's the first person who's ever really treated her like like a person, like a human, you know? Um, but I also worry, I mean, sure, she was sent, lived in a prison among basically Grindelwald for her whole life, so that maybe our sample size is skewed, but like um, Amaryllis and Fenn, who we both like, are basically treating her the same way too, so like maybe June is the one that's in the wrong here if everybody else in the world knows that this is what you got to do around someone like that. Like, I don't know. It sucks. I, I suspect you're right. You know, Emerilis and Fenn are, I mean, Emerilis is pragmatic as fuck, but Fenn is, uh, has, has at least a bit of enough of a soft spot, especially for people who have like, you know, bad circumstances of birth. Right. Mm-hmm. And even she's keeping her at gunpoint. Cause she's like, no, this thing's dangerous. Um, it, it's entirely likely that June is just missing the point of why this is such a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, no, no, it's fine. We'll fix it. And uh, then again, he's kind of stuck with her. Um, I don't. I doubt it's excluded. I, I imagine it's possible for him to just kill her. You know, he doesn't need to keep her as a companion, right? But it's uh, it that's not his style. And you sort of assume that the game hands you companions for a reason. So um, yeah, th- there was a, a nice little joke just for some levity because everything's all serious and it it does a really good job painting the atmosphere like it's late it's been a really long day like they got to the prison when Zalas died uh this morning right yeah it's it's been a long day for him but uh Amaryllis says she either she's lying to us possessed by a devil that's lying to us or we're leg- legit- legitimately in the clear and he says so two and three chance right and she just like frowns at him because she's the you know mathematician mm-hmm. he's like that that was a joke <laughs> but she's the one who does you know the the highfalutin math in her head right yeah right, she, yeah. she, she looks at him disapproving like that's not how math works and he's like <laughs> i know that <laughs> all right cool. um what do you think of the fact that june he's like he he doesn't really want to kill fall oh fall enter did i spell it wrong fall whatever um uh, but Amaryllis is like, look, he's a lot of trouble. Well, I, I'm like, I'm on June's side here. I feel really squeamish about just executing someone because they are potentially dangerous. Uh, I think that sucks. On the other hand, it also really makes him look like he's been compromised. If he's like, no, no, we shouldn't kill him. Let's keep him alive longer. <laughs> That's a good point. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't call him on that, or she does. I, I, I forgot, but yeah, no, no, we shouldn't kill him. We need him. Yeah, that sounds like what you would say if you're if you're compromised. Yeah, uh, I just like how Amaris is just staring at him. You know, her I, it says eyes closed, but I just imagine her. Uh, oh no, he's over there with his eyes closed, and she's just like smug fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> of, of course, uh, um, you know she's. I liked the the uh, like this talking and implication style. Fen is of the opinion that we should kill him as soon as you have the skill unlocked, and I'm inclined to agree. And she, and he says, but I already have it unlocked. And she says, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Amrose pulls off the chat, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know I know what I'm I know what I'm about. <laughs> uh-huh. That was awesome. Uh, what's the chat, yes in the larger context? No, that's just, you know, a a picture of, you know, serious chat dude saying yes as in like I 
fully accept this. This is exactly what I meant. You are not giving me new information. And I like maybe you're trying to imply that this is a bad thing, but uh, no, just yes. Oh, that's what the Discord emoji means. Yeah, yeah. So it's different than just agreeing. Well, yeah, it, it's more an implication than just agreeing. The gotcha. one that is the, the, the emoji that has, you know, like the dude's face with it. Yeah, no, nah, that checks out. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, there's there's oh the this this is something that comes up as well. This isn't part of the rest of the interaction, but uh, he does point out that there's a lot more skills listed as excluded than there are exclusion zones. And I, you know, I thought that's not that big a thing. Probably the exclusions just happened before good records started being kept of history, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, like there are also possibly things that people didn't realize were excluded. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it. It could be that in the first months that Arab was running before anyone was running around, or maybe they're just full reboots or something. But like, it's, I mean, certainly one thing that people could exclude would be some sort of like memetic uh, info hazard, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one knows that's excluded because no one can think about it. Literally, they can't. Um, It also just seems like, I don't know, if nukes are disabled, maybe so are rockets or something, but like no one's tried to build a rocket, so they just don't know that they don't work. Right, yeah, you know, that's, that's a good point too. Yeah, there could just be all sorts of things that are edge cases that people aren't aware of. Yeah, but maybe bugs that were caught before anyone stumbled upon them. Yeah, like gestalting being number four. Um, yeah, man, we'll we'll get we'll get a breakdown at some point. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, when you asked me earlier, was there going to be another point in the in the book where I can use the "What are the rules?" tune? <laughs> this. I, this was one of the chapters I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I did find time or I found a good spot to shove that into the pitch meeting. So there's eh, I'll find a way to post a clip to Discord or something. Um, but yeah, there there's a a little line in one of the uh, it's always sunny Philadelphia episodes where they're trapped in a musical and they don't know why. And one of the things they're trying to figure out is what the rules are. And like the whole f- first five chapters, I just had that song playing in my head. So, <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Okay, oh, yeah. So June uh, lets Amaryllis know that with the Twin Souls thing they have going on, he can access her soul from possibly any distance, a, a very long distance at any rate. He certainly doesn't have to be touching her, and God knows how far away she was now. And Amaryllis says, fuck, that means if you're compromised, then Fen and I are too. And he replies, I guess that you have to assume that I'm not compromised, because that, that's that's a very good point. If he's compromised, then he can fuck with their souls, and basically... If he's compromised, it's game over. They wouldn't be having this conversation at all. They they would all be little phalanters right now. So yeah, I think this is proof that he is not compromised. It, you mean sufficient proof to her, right? Uh, yes, yes, it should. Well, I mean, unless he's lying about the whole twin souls thing, which she doesn't know he could be. That she still should treat him as compromised, I guess, because uh, because that that could be a lie. But if he can prove it's not a lie then as long as all three of them still have independent thoughts and aren't, you know, founder clones, that's proof that that he is uncompromised. Yeah. I mean, at some point, too, I think Harry says something like this in Methods of Rationality, but like, all right, if the enemy is that omnipotent, like, we're fucked. So let's just not yeah. operate under that assumption yeah. and, you know, operate under a framework where we can actually do something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I- and then he brings that right up, unless I'm lying about the link. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, I guess if Volatar had gotten to me, there wouldn't be anything you could do about it. And she's like, I could kill you, I suppose. And she like gives him, you know, an up and down look. And mm-hmm. she seems not serious about it, 
but like this this group jokes about killing each other a lot more often than most friend groups honestly i think because the the fen one i thought was hilarious this one i think i kind of assumed she was serious like if he actually was compromised she probably would try to kill him but um that that's just what i expect of amaryllis that is the good and prudent thing to do if you know this godling is is compromised i don't know if we should give up possibly the greatest like asset the world has seen in 500 years just because yeah, he's a little soul not. fucked i think she would drug him and subdue him and then learn soul magic and fix him right yeah you know she had to keep chained up in a basement for five years it probably wouldn't be her first go-to thing to do but she's tired, you know. Sometimes murder is more at the front of my mind usual than it usually is when I'm tired too. So right. Well, <laughs> and he says, unless I'm lying about the link, in which case I told you just the right lie to let me into the hen house, and mm-hmm. it's just quarrel, just smugly one level higher than you. Mm-hmm. And she just nods, but I imagine her just like pinching the rim of her nose and just like, God damn it, you know. Like I'm starting to think that you know this Folliter plan was a mistake. And I'm like, really? Who could have seen this coming? But, um, oh, this was nice. I'm surprised it didn't earn a loyalty bump. Um, she's kind of hesitating. And she's like, I don't know how much you looked at my soul. And he says, I left as soon as I realized what it was. And she says, yeah. well, thank you. And, um, this is just where I started thinking about, like, uh, I didn't know if he had tell them right away, right? But I guess the circumstances kind of necessitate that he'd be forthcoming with all this. But, uh, by you know, if I told you, hey, Inyash, I can see all of your memories. Yeah, we would probably it would change the dynamic dynamic of our friendship considerably, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's no dynamic, there's no friendship or relationship in the world that wouldn't be unchanged by something like that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can hope is that when Amaryllis hits level twenty and eventually Grack, that they can look at his soul too, and you know, this will all be a nice, awesome trust circle. Yeah, but for now he's just like, oh yeah. By the way, I can rewrite you guys to whatever my heart's content. God, that's fucking scary. Man, I would read the sh- the like the small side story fiction where he just goes full Dark Lord. Uh, he he could he could cause quite a lot of damage, especially I'm assuming in you know another hundred chapters. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, anyway, uh, because they've got a couple hours to kill, he's like, well, I might as well do some more soul searching and. Uh, he sets Ropey to be his lookout and then uh, dives back into his character sheet. I think to look at his stuff a little more, but also to check on Amaryllis and Fen's soul, which yeah. I I did like a, a double take enough to where I like on my phone, I scrolled way back up because um, I think he had said something along the lines of like, you know, I wouldn't look at your, um, your uh, soul. Yeah. I keep wanting to call it character sheet, soul sheet, soul. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want I wouldn't look at your soul without your permission. And then later on, he'd like he dives in to go look at it and like, wait, what the hell? But I forgot that she asked him to uh, like just take a glance at her, at her values to make sure she's uncompromised or at least get a baseline so they know what it would look like if her values get misaligned. Yeah. But uh, I somehow missed that in my first read. And it was just because it took me so long to like go back and find the right thing again. I had to waste your guys' time explaining that I can't read. So. Um, <laughs> at least you went back and verified that you were, you know, misremembering. Yeah, because I was just, I was amazed that, like, he just lied, and now he's going to go through her shit? Like, yeah. you know, anyway, so... I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, it's also, you know, there's good enough characterization of June that when you thought that, you were like, wait a minute, this does not seem like June at all. What the fuck is happening? The, my model does not match reality. And so you went back and checked, and you were like, oh, okay, he did get permission. So, you know, uh, that means June's character is something you got a handle on, and it's well laid out. 
well presented. That's a really good point. Yeah, the this is not in character for him. You know, what would have been fun too is if she did say, no, don't touch my soul. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go look at mine. And he goes straight to hers. That would be compelling evidence to us that he was soul whammied and we didn't, and he didn't even know it. Right. Or at least it would give us new information that he really does not trust Amaryllis as much as we thought that he did. Yeah. You know, I, it's just a bummer because, you know, he knows how loyal they are to him, whatever loyalty means. I still think Fen could kill him, even though he's, you know, level 20 loyalty with her. But it, it just everything in their in his relationships is completely one sided, right? Yeah. Uh, luckily, the twin soul stuff and the what was it? Not symbiosis, synergy, whatever. Um, like, there's a perk later that helps with that a bit. But it's, yeah. I mean, I guess that's just what it's like, you know. No, sorry, he's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's all going to be favoring his stuff. Anyway, uh, uh, while he's looking at his soul, he gets a uh, we get a line break, and he's back in Tiff's room before they start dating. Uh, yeah, getting, getting distracted he's he's alone in a bedroom with a girl and he's bored that his attention is drifting and yeah. i just like oh more attention problems like i get it i've got attention problems too but it's just funny it furthers that high that particular hypothesis <laughs> it that, never that occurred that to me. almost certainly has no bearing on anything <laughs> yeah well i mean it had never occurred to me as i was reading through it the first time that he has attention difficulties but like you keep pointing it out i'm like holy shit i think you're right I think this is just a thing that's woven into the book that I never noticed because it's done subtly and well. I think this is how you would do it if you didn't want to like have a thing where he talked about when I was a kid, I went to a therapist and they diagnosed me with ADD, right? Yeah. This is how you show somebody who gets distracted easily just doing that. Exactly. Yeah. It's really cool. It is. It's good writing. Yeah. He does. He's looking at at Tiff's uh, bookshelf there in her room, uh, as most people always, you know, I don't know. I have a certain bookshelf. I only have the one bookshelf, actually, where I keep the like my most favorite books, and people look at them often. And like you know, I'm assuming they're they're getting something out of looking at those. And uh, he he says the same thing here. He says of all the forms of mass media, books were the most personal and the most intimate. Not just because they took longer to consume than anything except maybe a season of television, but because reading was something that you did in private. And maybe more than that, reading had an element of interpretation that was rare in film and television, because prose was meant to be evocative rather than strictly literal, abstract by the very nature of the medium. And first of all, I pulled this out in part just because, I don't know, it's a really interesting thing about books. I read a lot of books, and it, it strikes me as a true statement, and I just you know wanted to bring it out and contemplate it a bit. But also... Do you agree with him that it's the most intimate form of me- mass media? Because, like, it sounds right on the face of it, but I, I have some thoughts about that. I think uh, I can make a case for anything. You know, t- television, I think, more so than movies, because you can do a longer arc with, with a TV season than you can do with a three-hour movie. But mm-hmm. I I would make a case that video games at least are a contender for uh, tying for first place. You know, mm, when, when you're, you're controlling the protagonist. Exactly. When you're reading a book, you don't think, oh, no, I, I have to kill this person. You're like, why did you do that? You know, character I'm reading. But when you're playing a game, you have to shoot the people. Right. Yeah. And so you, I think there, there's a lot more authorship. But that feels much more intimate than uh, there are other aspects of reading that are more intimate and have like the this paints a picture in my head for me rather than it being painted to my eyes. Um, but that that sense of like I'm, I feel responsible when I do something in a video game, right? Yeah. 
Whereas I don't feel responsible if, if June does something stupid, you know, he's just doing his thing. Even if there's no choice, you know, if, um, like at the end of, uh, last of us two, we talked about without spoiling it. Like I, I deliberately lost fights and Mm -hmm. it turns out that no, you can't, it just, it, it starts you again from the beginning. Like you've got to keep doing it to play the game. Like, well, fuck me then. Um, yeah, and I tried just like dodging and parrying for like just I don't know five minutes straight, not actually attacking. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess this isn't how you do this. I'm gonna have to actually go through with it. Yeah, so that that's that that'd be my thought on that. Um, yeah, I think my, my so I I didn't put I uh, my last comment that I actually put in the notes was I'll be damned to hell nine thousand if video games aren't a similar kind of art because he only lists <laughs> TV, movies, and books. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. He didn't list video games. Yeah. Man, what a jerk. I think, yeah, I mean, I, so when you're watching like TV, you can do, or, or a visual media, you can do a lot of things with lighting and with specifically like watching humans emote and the emotions on their face, which I think is very emotionally compelling. Um, and I really, I don't know, in some cases, I really like musical theater for that. Like, just for some reason, it really grabs my emotion sometimes and i think also you can do things with like background scoring that uh that, or, or ambience which can really make a difference too in the movie like sometimes you watch a horror movie and if there is no like scoring in the background it just feels completely different if you don't have those high violin strings being like to get you like yeah it's it's it, it feels different so like those those i think are examples of like getting into your emotions but I wasn't sure like if that means it's quite personal. Like the reason I kind of agree with him that reading is kind of the most personal in quotes is because when you're reading, you're basically like seeing someone else's thoughts and living through their eyes. Whereas like with television, you are watching other people like through a, well, literally through a screen, I guess. But, um, but when you're reading, you're like getting their thoughts and their feelings directly as if, you know, you had a telepathic link with them. And I think that's why it feels really intimate like that. Yeah, I, I would maintain that video games do the same thing, or can. Uh, the best ones do, yeah. where, you know, I mean, the best uh, story-driven games, I mean, you know, God of War is another good example for, or a good example for this too, where I feel ownership over Kratos's choices, even though, you know, there isn't a, a choice tree that you can make in the game, right? It, yeah. It's um, there. Are, there are games like that, like uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. You can decide basically to be a good guy or a bad guy. Um, mm. The game ends similarly but different, depending on what you do. But like it, I there's it's also a lot like reading, you know. Um, and often there's a lot of actual reading involved. So yeah. I think they probably they just they have different strengths. Like with the video games, I mean, the TV has the 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 visual effects you can do and the sound effects. The video games you control the person, and with reading you get the telepathic mind link, but you don't get all that other stuff. So I guess I guess they're all intimate in a different way. Yeah, there's a great example of like um, like the the Death Note manga. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the anime. Um, it was good. I did. Yeah, I watched both seasons. Oh, good. Yeah, um, the the manga ended better. So, but that said, the show has a lot of like, all right, we're gonna freeze the characters while we hear the characters think, mm-hmm. and uh, they they do a great job of that in the in the anime. But they get away with probably the maximum amount you could get get away with without it, without it being super boring. 
Um, okay. The manga does more of that, and it's not boring whatsoever because you're reading. Okay. But once it's on a screen, like you can do, okay, hold on, here's what's going on in my head. But you can only do that for like five out of every twenty minutes, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or people are going to be like, you're just reading a book to me now. Yes. <laughs> With some visual illustrations now and then. Um, all right. So we're, we're at Tiff's house. She's got her bookshelf and she's got the staples. Yeah. He point he points out that there's not a lot of fantasy or sci-fi. And the ones that there are, are the staple series. Lord of the Rings, Narnia, Song of Ice and Fire, and Harry Potter. And he says, none of which really counted since I considered them part of standard cultural literacy. And at first I was like, hey, that's elitist of you. But <laughs> then I thought about it a little bit more. And I think, I think actually he has a surprisingly good point. Because I guess you can't really tell anything about someone that has those works since everybody has them. So it's not, you know, a unique distinguishing characteristic about them. Except for the fact that at least, you know, they like fantasy if they have those. Which is still some information. But it's not like having this really, you know, sort of niche book or a book that is known but not often read or or owned yeah like you could almost tell something about somebody if they didn't have these books uh well i don't own any of those actually me either which i was gonna say but like (laughs) i i I have owned half of these books Um, yeah when i'm done with them i gave them away but like yeah I, i mean it's kind of funny uh this is just the first thought I had when I saw that. Like, it would have been immersion breaking, whatever that could possibly mean for this book. But it would have been fun if it was Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Oh, that would be awesome. Like, that's just and a book that existed bracer. on Earth. I mean, the, the book does exist on Earth. People have printed out and bound their own copies of it. That's true. But that would tell us a lot about Tiff. <laughs> yes, it would. She would be in a very niche population of people who, you know, uh, with the trouble of buying prints of this. But honestly, she seems like the kind of person that would read um, Methods of Rationality. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, I thought I had something else, something about cultural literacy. And oh, I knew what I was going to ask. Do you have any books on your bookshelf that you haven't read, but you leave there so people see them and think that you've read them? No, uh, the, my so I have a special bookshelf that I have hidden away that has the books that I haven't read yet. Uh, but the bookshelf, the display bookshelf is all books that I have read. Hmm. I wonder where your secret bookshelf is. <laughs> it's up in my bedroom. Hmm. It's not that secret. It's just not, you know, for public consumption. Secret bookshelf. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I do have books on my bookshelf that I haven't read that I leave displayed anyway, because I mean, I plan to read them eventually. But then again, I, I think I've owned Go to Lesher Bach for like 10 years and I got through like a chapter of it. Um, it was fun, but it was just very dry. Yeah. Actually, there is one exception. I got halfway through Dahlgren and then I got distracted by something and the book is like 2000 pages. <laughs> so a year and a half when I came back to it, I was like, oh shit, I don't remember exactly where I am. I'm going to have to reread the first half. And I didn't want to do that at that point, And I've never actually gone back and finished it. So I have half a book that I haven't read on my bookshelf. You scrub. I had to do that with the, first, I had to do that with the first nine books of the Wheel of Time series. What, reread them? Yeah, because I put them down for a year and went to go pick up book 10. And I'm like, I have no idea who the fuck this is or what's happening. <laughs> Damn and it. Yeah, so I had to go back and read the first nine again. I probably well, could have fast-tracked that, but, you know, that, yeah. that's that's what I chose to do with my time. <laughs> was, you know, with my retirement... I read like 10,000 of the same pages. With my retirement coming up, maybe once I've played God of War, that can be like my next project. Finally reread and finish that book. What, The Wheel of Time? Or that book? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Dahlgren. I was going to say, like, 
Wheel of Time is fun and I reference it a lot because there's so much in it because it's such a big book. But that said, I think it could have been a third of the total number of pages that are that, two thirds of the total number of pages that it was. Yeah, I read I read the first one and it wasn't really my cup of tea. So, yeah, you know, it was I, fine. But I suspected yeah. that as long as you've definitely tried it, then I feel much more confident that, yeah, you're good. I mean, it, it's fun. It does fun stuff, but not I mean, that's like. I, I can't remember who I was talking to or what show it was, but they're like, oh, no, no, the first two seasons aren't that good, but the third season is where things get good. And I'm like, dude, that is such an investment. Yeah. Like, all right, just, just you know, yeah, you have to watch the first 50 hours. They suck, but then you get into the good <laughs> stuff. And that, that's a lot of time, so. It is. That is a big ask. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that Tiff says something about how, like, she's one of the guys or that uh, that's what. No, uh, June says she, that uh, she's she's like one of the guys. Yeah, uh, but he, yeah, so she's, she, yeah, you pulled out a quote and we'll, we'll chat about that because it's nice. Yes. Uh, her quote is, guys is normally fine, except in that context where it's clearly gendered. And my one comment on this was vindication! <laughs> because every now and then I run into people who say that, like, guys is a gendered term normally. And I agree with Tiff. It is generally gender neutral, except for, you know, occasional rare exceptions. Yeah, which I, is weird because it didn't used to be, but nowadays totally. Yeah, my my take with with guys is if somebody says, "Hey, you know, it I feel like that's kind of excluding me." I'm like, "Oh, totally. I'll find a more inclusive term." But then it's hard to find one, you know, unless you're yeah. going to get all southern, you know, folks, y'all, um fuckers is a good one, but not great for work. <laughs> uh right. That said, as an ordained <laughs> minister of the Church of Dudism, Anyone who insists to me that dude is a gender term is attacking my religion. So Aha, how dare they? Dude is a is a gender neutral term, so saith I. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, if he had said you're one of the squad or something, that almost sounds like it's still like squad isn't gendered, but it the 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 tone of this conversation would make it that way anyway, right? Oh, you're yeah. like almost one of us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so I had to uh grab this just because um well no i mean i guess uh, all right this this just ties back into the soul stuff so she's got these diaries that are written in code and he's tapping them and he's like sometimes i wish that it were possible to data dump i mean it would be in a sense possible for me to get to know know you really well by reading through four or five years of diaries but then you'd also have to do the same for me and i don't think they would actually get those grooves worn into each other like how do you fast track like knowing somebody for 10 years right yeah that's the kind of grooves and he says that sounded a little too intimate to me as far as imagery went with this ju- with the suggestion of friction i regretted it immediately which <laughs> a is funny 17 year old concern but b like it's only a little less intimate than being able to literally scour over every detail and preference of a person and their memories by looking at their soul yeah so you know oh no i don't want to bear my soul to you you can't read my diary and it's like well i can just look at your literal soul well, um, not tips. But, no, no, but yeah. yeah, he'll never have this problem with his close, close friends again. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I pulled up basically the same thing where he says diary isn't really a record of who you are; it's a record of who you've been. It's the component elements that serve to make you, not the actuality of you. It might be helpful for a reconstruction of Tiffany, maybe. And yeah, I this was you know another one of those things where the flashback is super relevant to what is happening in the chapter right there. That uh, a soul is kind of like God's Uber diary of someone. And editing the soul is like editing the diary, and it becomes true. 
Yeah, I pulled this out for a different reason. I said, excuse me, question mark, exclamation point. This sounds an awful lot like reconstructing a person from their public mind, kind of like Rick Kurzweil wants to do with his dad. And sort of like how Enosh speculated that the DM or whomever may have done with June or Arthur. I smell a clue. It could be a clue. Because this, you know, we talked about uh, June felt much more confident that Arthur was here after he like saw the game interface, like give him uh, that error warning. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this is definitely a simulation, not just like yeah. some sort of other weird circumstance. And so if I'm simulated running here on a machine, then someone else, you know, there's no reason they couldn't have grabbed another person from Earth and done the same thing. So uh, that strikes me like kind of what probably happened. You know, you played Soma, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I direct everybody to listen to the episode of Soma where... Um, episode shit. of Soma? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Episode of Very Bad Wizards. Where they ah, okay. where they talk about Soma with that author Ted Chang. Yes. Yeah. Although honestly, just play Soma. I think it's down to like five bucks now on Steam, and it's a really good game. And it's only like I don't know between six and ten hours. Yeah, ten tops. Yeah, and uh, yeah, right. It's just and it's so much fun. It's it's a well made game. Yeah, I I agree. I second that. Play it. If you will never play it, you can listen to the Very Bad Wizards episode on it. But this idea of reconstructing somebody from you know, well, in that game, it's not so much public information as it is a mind scan, but that's what it would be in June and Arthur's case anyway, right? Possibly, yeah. You know, I yeah. unless June kept very extensive diaries that enough to make something like him running around here, but I I get the impression that, like, he didn't write down in his diary the taste of honeysuckle and the breeze that day, you know? Right, then again, yeah. if you're making all this shit up whole cloth, you can just add that stuff in. Yeah, I guess, but then you're not really doing the simulation thing. Yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, I, my current my current running like background assumption here with June is that he's he was real on Earth. Um, it is him as much it is it is as much him here in Arab as I would be okay with if I were transferred into a simulation, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know, you lose something, you lose your meat suit, but all the things I care about are here. He says that uh, you know she's right about the diaries. Um, they didn't contain anything that important because his own diaries would probably have been equally uninteresting. And she was ready and willing to tell me everything I wanted to know about her. But because there was this puzzle sitting there waiting to be solved, and because it was information that I wasn't allowed free access to, my eyes were drawn over ne- over to her neatly ordered diaries every time I came over. I can at least relate to that. Um, you know, there's something about being told, sorry, you can't look at this. Be like, but now I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't inclined to before, but now that I can't, come on. Whoops. That's the. Best way to get someone to do something. Yeah. Tell them that they can't. Well, except unless you exclude it, then they literally can't. I guess. Bunch of cheating cheaters. (laughs) Then don't tell people that they can't do something. Just exclude it. That's right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So June looks over his own values to make sure that, you know, he's okay. And they're about what he would expect. Um, Then he he like inverse sorts it and then looks for falliter and you can zoom in on like the negative things or like the things about that person that you have thoughts or values, you know, attached to. And the only thing that I pulled out there was funny is that like falliter's lisp annoys June a lot more than he like thinks it should. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, things to hate about falliter. You know, number one, he's a soul raping Nazi coming in at a close number two, that lisp. (laughs) Well, I guess June's got a weird thing about lisps. You know, I I I suspect it's just that it emphasizes his teeth. 
and that when he's looking at Folliter, he could almost kind of ignore his teeth, except for you hear but you hear his teeth all the time when he's talking. Yeah, and he's just like, those are the teeth that could just bite my arm clean off. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's how I'm imagining it. Maybe he also just hates the noise. But I've never met anybody who like couldn't stand someone's lisp. I, th- I think it's the fact that it's his horrifying uh, piranha teeth. Maybe it's just one of those things when you really, really dislike something, just one little thing about them that like other people might make fun of and that you don't care about like in the general populace. But since it's someone you really hate, you hate that thing about them a lot more too. I think that, that that's probably definitely part of it too. Even if like you're only doing that make mainly for pretend. Um, like my wife and I watch Shark Tank and our least favorite shark is Barbara Corcoran because she, she goes out for like the stupidest reasons. And, uh, like at that point we'll be like, are you fucking kidding me, Barbara? That's where you're going at your shit at this. Like, and then, I mean, and look at her outfit. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, so like, we, but we, we know it's good natured fun. We're just like, we'll give her a hard time, even though she's, a, you know, I, they're not so much playing a character on TV cause they are like, you know, actually investing money, but yeah, we, we get so annoyed with her investment decisions that we also hate her fashion choices. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, bizarrely enough, this show's been on for like 14 years. Uh, the first couple seasons of Shark Tank suck because they weren't popular yet. But go back to like season three, watch an episode, and then watch like the most recent episode. She has de-aged 15 years. Oh, nice. It's it's, it's kind of cool when, what you can do when you get a lot of money. It's unsettling just by what a stark difference. The one thing if she'd stay the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's remarkable. They all look younger now than they did 15 years ago. <laughs> when you look at musk before he got all his money he did not look very good he got so rich his hairline uh proceeded i mean yes uh i gotta get more rich is what i'm hearing that that sounds like a good life plan regardless right that's a good point all right i gotta grab this um so just just to kind of get your thoughts on it so he's looking at amaryllis's uh character sheet her soul and in that, she's standing there naked. I'm assuming, like, you know, arms out, you know, T style, kind of like what you would picture on a character, you know, character screen, right? It yeah. doesn't say that, I don't think, but that's how I'm picturing it. Um, okay. A, I don't know if it said that he was naked in his. And uh, B, um, I guess two thoughts. One, she's not wearing her clothing in this, which I keep saying, but like in a character screen on a video game, you're usually shown in the screen wearing what you're currently wearing. That's true. I just think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think probably because the soul isn't quite a character screen. It's, you know, supposed to be a representation of you and what clothes are on you is not really part of that. I wish it had told us if her screen here or her picture, whatever, her representation of her soul had long red hair or if it had the short brown hair. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, presu- like, Folliter says that if uh, June didn't have a right hand, that his soul might still have one. Yeah, but that's bones and bones are magic. Hair's not as far yeah. as we know. So like, right. I, I don't know if that's there or not, but like, I wonder. I would imagine at the very least that her hair is red, but yeah, I don't know how long it is. Maybe it's like, because isn't there self perception tied into it? Yeah, which is what that's that's the other thing to think about, too. Like, you know, if somebody with a poor self image, would their soul look like a worse version of them? Yeah, maybe. I just I think that's kind of interesting. And um the other thing I wanted to call out here was that he says he felt guilty looking at her and then turned other corners of her soul, or turns to other corners of her soul instead, checking her over. Um, yeah. This guilt looking at her naked soul. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, 
strikes me as importantly distinct from him feeling guilty about looking at her and enjoying her while she's sleeping, right? Yes, and I agree, because this is a level of intimacy that she has not signed up for. She didn't consent to. Like, it's just, it's 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 different. It's like Stop somebody gave you a some... nude picture of somebody else, and you're like, I shouldn't have this. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's only happened to me once in my life, maybe because I don't have that, you know, I don't, oh, this is 15 years ago. Somebody was showing me, or tried to show me, a naked picture of his girlfriend on his phone. Mm. And I'm like, dude, she did she didn't take that for me. Come on. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, th- that's, that's, that's not cool. Um, no. I don't know how common that behavior is, but at least in my, my circles, it's not terribly common. All right. So uh, he looks at her values. Amaryllis is at the top of her own list, which I think is kind of cool. Second was autonomy, power, you, you life. You think that's kind of cool? Yeah. Hmm. I, so what I like about it is, you know, it it's, I don't think that this is like a, a vain thing. I think it just that she, she values herself a lot. Um, you know, where, where June's first value is orgasms, which I think does say something about him that he doesn't like and that we probably aren't supposed to like. The, yeah. you know, Amaryllis, she cares about herself. Uh, that, that's how I read that. That's a, good, that's a much better way of looking at it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it as like a vanity thing. She she has a, um, a high value. She, she yeah. She cares about herself I, a lot, and that's at the top of yeah. her list. I, I don't even think that vanity is a bad thing necessarily. I think you know, looking good is important and a nice thing to do for others. But um, yeah, the the it just seemed to be like kind of selfish. If like, oh, the most important thing in the world to me is me. But uh, no, I guess you're right. It's it's a much better way of looking at it. Is you know, I care about myself, and and that's important to take care of yourself. Well, and that, that's why I wanted to pull this out, too, because I predicted that, like, I don't think Fen will be at the top of Fen's list. And then, boom, she was. Yes. And I was like, I did not think uh, that, like, her self-image was such that she valued herself a lot. She she really struck me as, like, um, not, I don't know, suicidal is not, not quite the word, but, like, almost like Kenshin level. Like, I don't care if I get killed, which would not yeah. suggest that I'm I'm at the top of my value list. No. Maybe that's an implication that the default value for all human or for all beings is that they they are at the top of their own value list generally. Maybe. Because, you know, the whole self-preservation thing. I mean, June was literally suicidal however many weeks ago. So, like, he might be a rare exception. It's possible. I guess we'll have to see what more souls look like. I took it more to say more about these two characters than it did about people in general. But okay. if everyone's if everyone else he bumps into has themselves at the top, he's gonna look at himself and be like, "What the fuck is my problem?" Yeah. Right. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and but I don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but I think I think I'm with you that it's it's. I don't know. I don't know how. Maybe this is one of those hard truths that people don't want to admit that generally they're at the top of their own values list, with you know maybe some exceptions. Yeah, I would love to see mine, even though I know it would be uncomfortable. Yeah, because there's no reason you couldn't, you know, change the way that you, you know. If I, I again, we need to see the top ten for everybody here. But like, what's hers? Uh, Fens. It's got um, uh, her. She's at the top, and uh, after that was Nellen, then Juniper, then Amaryllis. Amaryllis is like fourth. That's awesome. Then yeah. Solace, then Grack, and Solace is still on there, even though she's dead. And and the six eyed doe is right up there too. Like. That seems interesting, you know, vengeance yeah. for her father. Like she's got a quest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, penance for my clan will be Grax's top three. And, or presumably, unless he really doesn't care about it. And he just says he does. 
but apparently Fen really likes the six eyed doe, which I think is funny. And he's also like jealous, like who the fuck is Nellen? And like, you just can't <laughs> not call that out because, you know, Tip is still on his list with Fen, right? Uh, well, maybe it's not even that he's jealous. He could just be like literally wondering who the fuck is Nellen. I've, I've known this. I guess he hasn't known her all that long, but they are very intimate. And maybe he would have thought that by now she would have mentioned some Nellen person. You think he's mentioned Tiff? No. Yeah. I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a jealousy thing. Um, it, it might just be like, you know, who, who's up there above Amaryllis and above me? You know, yeah. not not even selfishly. I'm just kind of curious. Hey, is that yeah. your dad? Is that, you know, whatever? Like, I'm just curious, who's this person that is more important than anyone else in your life except for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I, I liked that contrast and I needed to call out that I was wrong about Fen's uh, prioritizations. So assuming that this okay. is accurate. But so far, I'm taking everything that the game has given me as accurate mm-hmm. just because I, I can't start second guessing that until I get a reason to. Otherwise, I won't be able to interpret anything seriously yeah yeah he he does mention that uh in the soul there's like basic muscle memory things like uh a prototypical defensive maneuver with this with a sword is in like part of the soul because it's something you know how to do it's like part of your skill set now and he's like if there's individual moves as part of the soul why are there numbers attached to a to a skill like um, swords, <laughs> it, it seems it, he says this entire system of the game levels seem to have been slapped on top just for the sake of being more like a game, which I think supports his AAA title with mod slapped on it theory. It it does, I think. Um, you know, a lot of games have that screen where oh, here's your move list if you need to go look at it again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that is not if I have a number for how good I am at swords, I don't also need a whole page on my soul that talks about like, Oh, here's the moves, you know, yeah. it does seem like the kind of thing there for a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So they jump out. Ropey gives the all clear best rope. And, mm-hmm. uh, there was this line or the chapter ends basically with him. Uh, Amaryllis was like, um, uh, what does she say? Was there anything in my soul that we need to talk about? Oh, that's right. And he says, Nope, Nope. Looks like you're good. Just about what I expected. And she's like, all right, good. And uh, he he thought that very mysterious question. I know, right? Very mysterious answer too. Um, yeah. Anyway, so she, he says whatever it was that she'd been concerned about, I decided that it was a thread I could pull on later when we were both in better condition, or I could simply search through her soul until I stumbled upon whatever it was she thought I would find in there. And um, you had the same thought I did then. I can tell. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not quite so sure about that. Sec- that last one there. Yeah, I I I don't think that friends do that to friends. No, uh, although it it like it sounds like she's dropping hints that she wants him to find something. Well, in that case, more power to him. But like, but still, I wouldn't do it. And it's funny when I when I read that the first time, and when I put the note in, I thought that it said memories too, but it doesn't. So that's where I had like a lot more uh, um, concern about it. I guess if she wanted to find something, you know, sure. But I don't know that that that's kind of like the please don't read the book of blood thing and. You know, him yeah. supposed to be reading into Fen saying, no, please do. Like, that's, you know, yeah. it sounds like, no, nah, friends don't go poking around through friends' diaries without permission. Right. I can't think of anything else about souls that I haven't said already other than they are very mysterious. A very mysterious soul. Inscrutable souls are tight. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't that good of a <laughs> yes, one. Yes, they are. No, that was, that was good. Ridiculously obscure soul something something Things. all right we're running yeah. long let's start uh, going feel this is the long night for us and for the chapter um mm-hmm. 
So they, they teleport outside of Parsement. Yes, the city of equal standing. Question mark. <laughs> and they and they pay basically it sounds like they pay the value of the house to rent it out for a while, which is I guess pretty awesome for the people that own the house. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Uh someone I remember reading this on Discord that uh the joke of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um that said, Airbnb here apparently isn't a thing yet, and it totally should be. Yes. Uh well, but I think you kind of need cell phones first and they don't have those yeah i mean they have radio i mean if it was just like you can't know if you have radio you have like hotel chains at best yeah but they have hotels they could they could work something out where yeah we keep a spare room you know we put the light on if it's available anyway it's a business idea if you ever start wanting to make money a legitimate way so they when they show up and they run into Fen, first thing that happens, Amarilla says Grack is compromised. And Grack corrects her under suspicion. They can't tell one way or another. And okay, Fen says, okay, looks between the five of them, meaning, <laughs> and she slowly drew a finger across her throat, <laughs> raising an eyebrow. Grack says, the plan is not to kill me, no. And I very rarely actually laugh out loud when I'm reading something, but I literally laughed out loud when I read that. That was a great comedic beat. Me too. And the next line is really good too. She, uh, she says, well, good. Not that I would, you understand. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, of course you know, not. They, they, she turned around this joke quickly, but it's hard to tell when these people are serious about killing each other. You know, Amaryllis just said- was she, joking from the start. She like, she made the, the, the motion slowly with the raised eyebrow in front of him. I know, it it's fantastic. Yeah. No way, not like, you know, making direct eye contact with him. Like, like, do we got to kill you now? But Amaryllis just, you know, threw out the idea of killing June last chapter. Um, yeah. But she's like, you know, not that I would. He's like, no, you'd make Mary do it. <laughs> yes, I would make do Mary do it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're best friends forever. Hell yeah. Uh, and so then, uh, as as Valencia is being led away by Founder, yeah, she is being led away by him. So I guess she has to spend the night with the guy who's been beating her and keeping her in a cage for her whole life. It's kind of fucked up. I can see why she was reluctant to to anger him. But uh, as they're doing that, she yells, I lied! I lied! He did touch Grack. He pinned him and touched his soul until he stopped moving. And then they talk to each other. Juniper, I'm sorry, but I lied. You have to be careful. And like, well, shit. Is is that like, is she saying this now because she doesn't want to be pulled back into a barn with Falater and, uh, and have to spend another night with him? And she thought, you know, maybe this way they'll keep me close to them and not make me go with him or or what? But all of a sudden, I'm I'm a bit more worried about Greg being compromised. It didn't change my my priors on his compromisation one bit. You know, like it it sucks, but like this just isn't evidence. You know, I, I yeah. Amaryllis, I I put this so she just <sighs> take her away, and I'm like this and sighing really are the only course of action here. Like this this information isn't actionable. Like she doesn't say why I, she lied. She yeah. You know, she granted she's being pulled away. Maybe there's not time, but like. I, you know, he could have said, hold on, let's talk about this. And then she could have given her full explanation. But like, either she was possessed before and was lying about it, or she's possessed now and she's lying about it. Or, you know, she doesn't want to go spend the night in the barn with this guy and she's lying about it. Or she's being honest, but there's no way to know. Yeah, all that's true. But I still, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm gullible and naive or whatever, but it, it upped my estimation from, I don't know, 10% to maybe 25, 30%. I don't know. It 
He touched his soul until he stopped moving. That sounds so specific. How could she know that? You know, I mean, obviously he's doing soul magic, but that sounds like the kind of thing you would say to somebody if you wanted them to believe somebody is compromised, right? Yeah. And then they talked to each other, Juniper. I'm sorry, but I lied. And she doesn't say why she lied. Yeah. You know, I lied because I was afraid. Why? Why would you have lied before? I mean, I mean, that's a good point. She looks over at at Folater before she lies before. But if she's going to lie before when he's way over there, why? Why tell the truth now when he's holding her chain? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, I, I because I had no idea what to do with this. You know, if I if I if I tossed a coin and if it came up heads, I'm like, well, does that mean Grack is is compromised? Like that's essentially what I'm getting here. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So they're like, all right, well, we got to talk, and you can't be a part of it because you might be a double agent. And he's like, ah, fine. Basically, I get it. Uh, can I make yeah. wards? And he's like, no. Or they're you know, nope, you can't because they could kill us all. And yeah. I do like this. It's nice. Another little cute moment with Crack and Fen. She says, or Amarillo says, you're too important, to, too important to keep you out of the loop forever. But we're waiting on Juniper to have whatever level of skill is necessary to ensure that you're still the Crack we know. And Fen adds, and love. Yeah. Yeah. That was sweet. It's just, Be- you know, little. it's perfectly in character beat for, and they, they've got a good jam. Yeah, they do. I'm kind of surprised that Solus was above Crack in her, uh, orderings me too values maybe it was just because solace died so recently so it was really fresh and it like bumped her up it's yeah definitely possible you know and Grack is also not like m- making an effort to make friends yeah that's true so speaking of not making an effort to make friends uh juniper uh, thinks as he's walking away at least it was him and not fen or amaryllis and then he thinks oh maybe there was a good reason that he wasn't loyal to me because obviously thinking at least it was him and not them means that he values them more. And yeah, I think, you know, maybe Grack is actually really insightful that his his loyalty is in part a reflection that he realizes June doesn't care about him as much as the other two, which is uh, just more pretty darn insightful of Grack, I guess. It is. I mean, I wonder which way the, the arrow points. I mean, does, is, does June care about Grack less because Grack isn't trying to warm up to him or is Grack not warming up to him because June doesn't care about him? Um, yeah, yeah. It the, the to it's me probably a mixture. It's definitely a, a bit of a mixture. Probably um, he does try to touch Grack's soul by like touching him while touching his his own soul, but mm-hmm. apparently it's more convoluted than that to access someone else's yeah, soul. So that's a yeah, no go. Can't figure out how to do it. Yeah. The the thing about Grack though, is sad. Like Grack isn't really as salient in my image of the group either. Um, it's like. I, I kind of also had the same thought. Like, I'm glad it's Grack and not someone that I care more about, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's what's great about it is I don't know how Alexander does it, but the fact that June and I feel the same way means that this was intentional. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah, it, I'm sure it was. It's just like uh, when when a character expresses a feeling, I, I, I mean, I just said it. I'm just trying to reiterate how cool I think that is. So, yeah. all right, let's all enjoy that for a second. And then... Um, uh, June's talking to Fen. He's got like that tattoo uh, with the vines that will like ping him if someone tries to leave the room. So he's got one over um, one over Grack's door and one over theirs. And uh, I wanted to get your, your thought on this. Um, he's just, you know, he's looking up at the ceiling talking to to Fen. I think we should kill Folliter. And like yeah. 30 minutes ago, he was saying that they should they shouldn't. Ah, his values are changing. And maybe he's just thinking about like what a total drag this is. Like this is actually ruining our friendships and you know, it's actually sinking in. But yeah. um, I, at this point, this would be like the first person that they've killed who wasn't trying to kill him. Right. Uh, like basically, I that think 
for June, yes, yeah. yeah. He, um, yeah, yes, Grack killed the uh, those kissing the the guard and the warder, and Amaryllis executed uh, Paul. But this would be the first time that June would kill someone who wasn't trying to kill him. Yeah, and you know, let's be real: if someone's earned being killed, it's probably Folliter, right? Yeah, yep. But just deciding that and be like, you know, we should go kill him. I wasn't, fe- I wasn't feeling so sure about it, but thirty minutes ago. But now I'm less on the fence. I wonder if he's mm-hmm. just thinking, I bet killing him comes with a nice XP bonus. Like, I don't think it would really come with much XP. I mean, you're killing a high level dark wizard. Yeah, but it's not like just walking up and executing him isn't really a a conflict. It, I would, I don't know if I was the DM, I would probably impose like major XP penalty on that. Like if it's if it's a grand battle or if like there was a lot of you had to outthink him in some super intense battle of the wits kind of way, then sure. But like if you just walk up and execute a dude, that's that's minimal XP. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. In a in a video game, usually it's like they're dead. You get ten thousand experience points. Right, and yeah. It, it doesn't true. matter how it happens, but I think you're right. In a in a tabletop, it's like, come on, you munchkin your way through that. I'm going to munchkin your points. Like, forget that. Um, yeah. So how did it come up that they were talking about the Book of Blood? Uh, uh, something about the teeth, maybe? Yes, yes, that he was shocked about the teeth thing, and Fen thought that that would have been in the Book of Blood, and he's like, yeah, I didn't actually read the Book of Blood because you asked me not to. And uh, Fen said that it didn't occur to me that you hadn't violated that agreement. I knew you were curious, and it was a minor thing, so I just sort of... And, you know, that, that kind of made me sad. I think that sucks, that her life must have been just filled with constant betrayals that she just casually assumed she'd been lied to uh, by by the person she cares about even that much. Yeah, I I wonder... I mean, she's 20 points, or I guess at this point, 19 points loyal to him and still thinks that you'd go behind her back and read this. Um, it's... I think it's just things she expects from everyone. It's funny. Yeah, that is a bummer. I mean, part of me wonders if it's like, uh, because, uh, oh, because he was, um, the reason that she thinks he read it is because he was skillful at, at pleasuring her, right? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So he, she's like, you know, I think that while she was in the moment, she's like, okay, he's really good at this. He must have had some tutelage probably from that book well that sucks but i like him and i can i can forgive him plus you know orgasms like the results yeah yeah and so she forgave him for something he hadn't done um it's uh i i don't know what it says about like if she i don't know if she'd have thought that minus the orgasms or not but uh it does orgasms make up for a lot they, they do um yeah. i i don't know uh what you know, because we don't get the, the anatomy described, so we don't we don't know what exactly it was that he was good at doing. Um, mm-hmm. But in any case, uh, um, she does. I, I was wondering, like, well, come on, he didn't like. He's actually a better person than than you thought he was. Where's this loyalty perk? And then then he gets it, and then she gets symbiosis. Woohoo! And then he's total, you know, boner killer. And like, because she's like leaning <laughs> on him, he's like, hold up, got a game thing, and he closes his yep. eyes and. Uh, <laughs> Not that either of us have ever told people, hold up with the Mackin on me, I need to play a game. I mean, it, <laughs> that can, it can be true that we've both done that and it's still a boner killer. Yes, oh. yes, that's true. Yeah. Which is exactly why they get mad at us for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so symbiosis, what do we get? Uh, now that uh, they are connected on a deeper level and when they're near each other, they can both use skills the other person has at half their level. So I guess now he has bows of 25. 
and she is going to be a multi-class mage. That sure sounds like it. Um, this is interesting. The, the phrasing here, you are now connected on a deeper, or you're connected on a deeper level now with the last vestiges of reluctance stripped away. I wonder if that means that this is maximum loyalty. I don't know. It sure sounds like it, in which case it might mean that skills... does. Oh, no, wait. Skills don't cap at 20. They get soft caps at 20. Yes, but loyalty isn't necessarily a skill. It's oh, yeah, I was just thinking that tw- kind of thing. I was just thinking that 20 might be a magic number, and like that's where things oh, top okay. out. But no, no, we, we get the, the soft caps. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of cool. That is uh, really cool. I, I am really looking forward to when they get a chance to explore this, because I think she's a soul mage now. Yeah, I guess. And everything like, I don't else know, it's do. probably. Yeah, it's probably not as easy for her as it would be for him, but like I assume with like a bunch of training and practice, she'll be able to do things like the blood punching and blood running and stuff. I mean, the thing is, like, although she doesn't have hyper um, hypertension, so she couldn't use it as much. I guess she doesn't have a full body's worth of blood to burn through before she starts feeling faint. Yeah, she only has one body's worth of blood to burn through. But <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I suppose he could always give her some of his because it turns out they're com- they're they have complementary blood types. But mm-hmm. I. This is the kind of thing where, I mean, I get they're tired. It's been a long day. There's no time for her to do magic. But I don't think it'd be a long training montage for her to get basics and all of her and all of her mage skills. Like she's already got them all unlocked. You know, I know that's not how people on Arab work, but she's already got an aptitude whether she knows it or not. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, I love this next scene because Amaryllis is going to bed and she's naked and she says, "Fine, I'm going to bed." June, take a bedroll or get over yourself. I don't care which, which I thought was awesome because she's like, all right, I- I'm trying to be sensitive to your cultural shit, but I am just so fucking tired and I am over it right now. Peace out. And oh, take yeah, a bedroll and a what? Like, level of tired you get. Yeah. But well, if, if he's if he is unable to sleep next to a w- nude woman that he's not boinking, then, you know, maybe he'll have to go get a bedroll and sleep on the floor somewhere. And she's like, I don't care. You can sleep next to me if you can get over yourself or do whatever you need to do. Oh, there's one bed in this bedroom. That's what she's getting at. Yeah. Somehow I missed that. Well, how did I miss that? He was going to be in the middle of a, uh, you know, two ladies when he's sleeping. I mean, that's that's my assumption anyway, because otherwise her comment doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I I just I couldn't figure out what she was talking about. So um, I your your comment makes perfect sense. I guess uh, I would have assumed that June would have said something about, you know, sleeping between two naked women but uh i mean he's he that's how tired they all are at this point where he's like i can't even can't even feel horny about this you could still appreciate it <laughs> maybe you could I, yeah. I don't think i've ever been so tired and i've been super tired before where i wouldn't appreciate you know being like if i'm if i'm laying next to two beautiful women i would you know i might not i i've definitely been you know believe it or not occasionally too tired for you know uh I'm being shy about this. Occasionally, one is too tired for sex, but yes. I've never been too tired to uh, appreciate being next to a pretty person. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. The last thing to pull out there is that she pulls out that sleeping spell and puts herself to sleep like a light, which I totally forgot that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think June did too, but super jealous. It's fucking awesome. And apparently, it doesn't belong to a school of magic. Yeah, apparently, just everyone on Arab can do it. Oh, and it's like holy fuck! And and we get closure. Um, this was the uh, uh, like he he points out that he had talked to her about like using it in combat, and she's like, "What are you stupid? They have to want to fall asleep." And he's like, "Well, I didn't know that, but you yeah. and I did talk about using it in combat." <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, 
I guess, so the section ends with um, uh, June and Ven going off for some, I guess, super exhausted shower sex. And, uh, oh, there was a line that I needed to pull out before we go to the line break here. Um, Fen, or yeah, Fen tells June that Amaryllis has been trying to match him in training a bunch. Yeah. And so the, the quote was, I hadn't realized that Amaryllis was pushing herself that hard, not nor that it might be because she was trying to match me. I didn't necessarily know whether Fen was right, but the hypothesis hadn't even crossed my mind. And it hadn't crossed my mind either. Like, I, I guess, you know, part of me wonders because she's, you know, she talked about she had kindled that fire for him because she's nicely dramatic, but it's nice um, phrasing, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's nice poetic language. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I don't know if she's tr- like still trying to like, you know, keep up with him to like stay relevant and uh, kind of like still woo him that way. Or if she's still insecure about being sidelined. I mean, it, it could be both. I just imagine that Amaryllis is the kind of person that doesn't want to ever be left behind by anybody. And so she's going to push fucking hard so that she can keep up with June the whole time and be just as just as you know useful as he is in all respects. Yeah, it sucks because that's just never going to happen. No, I mean, no, it's not. She will be uh, she'll have aptitudes that he doesn't have, but he yeah. he's. As we get in the next chapter, um, you know, he, he he does all these things faster than he has any right to be able to. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I just imagine her, you know, sitting there practicing whatever thing over and over, you know, sweating with, with the exertion of it and like just trying to think like, got to stay relevant, got to stay relevant. Like, that's that's a bummer. You know, you're relevant. We care about you. Plus, if we just bro down hard enough, then uh, you, you get half my skills anyway. So... You know that's that's yeah that's a good insight about her being scared of being useless, and that, that does really seem to make. I think autonomy was her second highest value, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that so that's super in character for her. How cool is it that we have these characters that we get to, we get to like actually peel back the hood and look at their character? Pretty fucking awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, we got a D and D game cut to a place called Parsmont. Um, I. We'll tr- Which is the same place we are right now. Yes. So I need to pull out a couple of great beats and then ask you a very pointed question because I don't understand what the hell's going on. So okay. Raymer's like, I'd like a list of mechanics, please. Um just like they basically there's something weird with Parsmod. Uh I don't know exactly quite what it is. Um something about how you get like tokens in your head, you can put them in each other's buckets, and one of the most tokens becomes super powerful or something and i don't i don't know if that's a thing so a i don't know if that's like just an allegory kind of thing for like loyalty sort of in on Arab, um or like the points distribution that fen gets if she's near if if they're near each other like uh it it could be kind of like that but it seems like that might be actually how this fucking town actually works and so that's confusing but raymer is just like me in the situation where like all right, I want to know how this works. And June, as the DM, he's like, well, I'm not going to just tell you. All right, fine. We find somebody, anybody. Who's that person selling fish? Perfect. And he hands him a pen and paper. And he's like, I'd like a list of mechanics of how this works. I will give you 10 gold. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do? Like, if you're being a good DM, you're like, well, obviously someone would tell him for 10 gold. <laughs> Fucking Raymer. It's just delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like I, I want to know how this works there's a big orb at the center of the, of the at the center of parchment and the abilities it gives people within it and uh they it's like some mental imagination of, of jewels and you can 
picture putting in each other's heads. And yeah. I like how, I don't know why, I thought this would be something that, that Raymer would do to be funny. But when the, the fishmonger is telling them about it, um, and uh, he's like, no, you, you, you can... There, you can feel it, can't you? At the back of your head, the votes sitting there. And then Arthur, I touch the back of my head cautiously. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, like, "There's votes back there, and they're gonna bite him." Right? No, no, they're in your head, and you know it. And then I like this too, Craig. I move jewels from one indent to the other. Raymer, you die instantly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least he waited for Craig to do it. But no, apparently nothing happens. You can't do it. So um, yeah, you can only put it in other people's heads. Yeah. So whoever gets the most jewels gets to be a badass. So people can take their jewels back at any time, meaning that all the pars- all the power in parchment is transitory. Yes. And also, then he says, uh, at the highest levels, with a million people pledging their full support, an NPC didn't quite become epic level, but that was the only restraint I'd shown. Uh, so it it sounds like they you know almost become demigods if they get a ton of support and you know it, it seems like every I, i've seen this at least once before in fantasy but it's kind of like a um an analog of democracy where people throw their like emotional moral support whatever behind one person and the more people that support them the more powerful they become and so it's like literally a a sort of d- democracy voting makes you more powerful kind of thing and since they can take their jewels back at any time, it sounds like it's a sort of a liquid democracy situation. Yeah, they don't even have to wait until the next election. But it's yeah. not hard to imagine how this could get fucked real fast. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love, I think it's at the very end of the flashback where they said, cool, let's start shipping in busloads of people and pay them to vote for us. <laughs> That's my kind of munchkinry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did have to pull this out because it seems like we get something significant every time. And... No one's been poisoned yet on Arab. So Craig asks, how are we going to beat these guys? Poison? And Arthur nods. The answer is always poison. <laughs> yeah, right. So I suspect somebody will be poisoned coming up here at some point. Because it sounds like a nice, convenient way to ki- deal with somebody. Um, That's true. I mean, as long as killing people is on the table. Not, I, don't, yeah. I don't endorse that behavior, but I do when playing video games. Uh, right. All right. So we've got a minute to indulge me on this. Like... Without even needing, I'm gonna work. I can imagine like it works just like in the the cutscene here, which is why we got the cutscene. So mm-hmm. you walk into the city limits, you feel a change. You can find these votes in the back of your head. You can hand them to whoever you want. Presumably, getting ten doesn't really do anything, but getting a million does. Um, so, like, what are the fun bad ways of this? So they're gonna go. They're gonna go to um, uh, what was it called? Por Porcement? I forgot how to parsement. Parsement. They're going to go there at the end of the next chapter. Yeah, either way. Yeah. So they're going to go there. And I'm sure, well, I don't know. Cranberry Bay was okay. But I'm betting this place is fucked. How do you think it's fucked? Um, like the person in charge they, can well, be a bully on, somehow. Yes. Uh, maybe in sort of uh, Homelander terms from the boys, possibly. <laughs> and you can't like put together like a quiet conspiracy to start yanking away, you know, the jewels out of their head because... You know, I don't know what you get when you get that powerful. Maybe you can Superman hear the whole town or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, what was it? I, I would guess that um, based on what the NPC says in this flashback, he says uh, the people up top fight each other and not too many want to put themselves in that fight. So it's mostly about putting your vote behind the guy you think has the best chance of fighting against the guy you hate. So 
I guess sort of it devolves into the same thing we have in American politics where nobody actually likes the uh, the politicians, but they hate the politicians on the other side more. <laughs> <laughs> so they give their, their points to whoever they think is the best at beating up the other guy and and probably not not a great political situation to be in. Uh, just like now. Let me see when this is published. Yeah. It says that 2017. It's- yeah. So I or mean, 2000, this yeah. one might be 2018. No, uh, July 14th, 2017. So okay. in, in, in either case, uh, um, this is probably right in the middle of, uh, you know, it, Trump is president of parchment. Yes, <laughs> maybe. Yes. It, it, it's Trump or whoever else on the other side that is the anti-Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I'm hoping it, it found some cool way to work out, but this could go terribly wrong. And it's a really, really cool idea. Yeah. The idea that like, you don't have to like go somewhere and, you know, give your support, but you can just do it in the back of your mind at any time. The jewels aren't labeled, presumably, right? So mm-hmm. you, you don't know who's supporting you and who just withdrew support. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. It makes me think of um, that episode of Orville where the guy commits a crime and like you get to appease, the, like it, it, everything is, de- oh, yeah, everything yeah. is democracy, mm-hmm. like the price of coffee and whether or not you're guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I think that's awesome. We had to spend a minute talking about this just cause they're going there. So yeah, yeah, we're here to get a MacGuffin. So what I'm thinking is we plus in people and get their boats. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So June wakes up at fuck o'clock in the morning and, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, this is where I just had this random thought that I had to pull out because we were talking about this last episode. Um, I said, we're all probably happy that June didn't dump Fen for being a bum who's twice his age. So, well, I, I didn't think that he was going to, but yeah, I'm happy he didn't. Well, you expressed concern that like he was being judgmental or, you know, um, he felt weird about the age gap or something. And he, he, he definitely was being, or I just thought anyway, that he was being judgmental and I didn't like that. But I mean, you, you generally don't just dump someone immediately for something like that. It's a thing where the relationship starts falling apart. Like breakups are rarely that clean. So I, I didn't expect it to end in an immediate breakup. Yeah. That's, and they've got a lot of stuff going on, even if you really, really wanted to, which I don't think he does, but even if he did literally in the middle of a jailbreak, that's the worst time to break up with someone who's helping you escape, but it would be really funny. I guess so. (laughs) I mean, no, me and Amaral to share the bed. Ben, you sleep on the you sleep on the bed roll, you child molester. That would have been just. <laughs> then we know June soul whammied. <laughs> yeah, and you know I could I could see it being played for laughs if it was done right. Yeah, they did almost. They they alluded to that where like he was like, "What you're mad because I'm you're not mad because I'm a nicer person you thought I was," and mm-hmm. like that's like every rom com, like just that manufactured mm-hmm. tension and and yeah, fuck all that. So they 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 did point at how dumb that is and then move right past it because they're not dumb. Yes, exactly. Uh, they are discussing what they're going to be doing. Um, and crap, I didn't put down who says this exactly, but someone says, we need to break out of the cycles of crisis. We need to chart a path forward of our own accord. And I don't know. I I mean, I would definitely want to do that if it was real life, but also like that's kind of the opposite of what games are about, right? Like you get a quest and you go do the quest. And that's one of the nice things about games. You don't like worry about, am I fulfilling my potential am i really doing what i want to do in life am i actualizing you just like okay here's my quest i'm gonna go do it that was nice and simple yeah it was amaryllis who said that and i think that i get where she's coming from you know and to the extent that june doesn't want to just fully just throw his hands up and say okay this is a game and nothing matters uh yeah. i can get his inclination to try and do that too like yeah y- y- you can't just live your life like that you know 
Um, you certainly can't live a real life like that. No. Yeah. That would be t- awful. Uh, yeah, they haven't done anything where they're like trying to take charge and do their own thing, really. You know, I guess Carlaga is kind of that, but he was more helping her. Um, yeah. But that's fine. That's still and honestly, as a party. they really haven't had a chance. And they really haven't had a chance to. There's yeah, always they, something coming at them. Yeah, they tried to go to the Dream Skewer College and Larkspur ruined that whole thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so they're, they're at Parsement. Uh, and you grabbed a good quote followed by a question that I think we can take bets on. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, the the yeah. quote is, um, Amaryllis, we came to Parsement because they're welcoming to visitors and somewhat disassociated from the Empire of Common Cause. We did not come here to have any interaction with their system of governance. We're not trying to shake things up. We're not trying to solve problems. We're just here because it's a relatively safe place. We can't afford to get sucked into anything. And I asked bets on how quickly before they get sucked into something. I'm guessing somewhere between literally 30 seconds or 15 minutes. Yes, I, I'm guessing, I guess not an actual time amount, but within 10 paragraphs of entering the city. That checks out. Yeah, I mean... I picture it kind of like a Mark Arth, like I talked about last week, where you enter and the person tries to stab that noble. And yeah. it's like, yep, they're gonna, they're, we're going to walk right into a cutscene as soon as we enter this town, right? There's no way something's not going to happen. In fact, you know what? She's savvy enough that I I can't believe that she's saying this with any sincerity. Maybe. Like, she, she is still a little um. sleep deprived. But, like, if I wanted to ensure that my dungeon or my, my campaign party got sucked into some, sucked into some mischief in this town i would say right before we enter okay guys we got to keep our heads down and not get sucked up into anything right i well i mean maybe i might also say that if i wanted that to be true but yeah if i knew the dm was listening that's a good point i think i don't know i, I think she's still trying to talk more to you know fen and june than to the dm i think she's like really trying to stress in and out and let's not get sucked into anything. Plus they have problems right now. They got fallen terror like on their butts. So maybe she's hoping that's the current conflict. They don't need more complications. I don't know. I mean, you make a compelling point for her maybe having a, a next level up meta thought action. Yeah, man, sure. It'd be a bummer if uh, something happened to us right now, huh? Um, <laughs> she's just trying to invoke the laws of irony or dramatic irony, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so there's a throwaway line about how soul magic is less powerful than it used to be because there were exclusions applied to it. So pieces of, of soul magic don't work anymore. Um, she does give him shit for taking three kinds of armor, and I totally agree. <laughs> and I think we talked about that. I was asking for your thoughts on that, but we, t- yeah, we touched I base. I think not dying is pretty important if you die in real life. But you, you, you pick one kind of armor and stick with it then, right? Yeah, maybe. Like unarmed unarmored makes sense because sometimes you just don't have armor on right you don't want to be left completely unarmored and and medium armor if he if whatever he's wearing like just specialize in that armor yeah i guess he doesn't know what kind it is hedging right i mean i would guess at least it's at least medium but he also might be hedging against like maybe in the future i'll come across this awesome juggernaut suit but it's heavy armor i'd like to have the skill for that too i guess it just means that whatever he has is what he'll be training and, and getting skill in and he'll have to find a big suit of armor to train that one yeah i guess he could borrow the uh um immobility plate but that does sound like it's heavy yeah yep all right and and he dropped art which i did talk about uh like i guess now he has to train at muggle speed and he doesn't get to soar in his aptitude at it so mm-hmm. um I, he dropped it because he's like nope it's flavor forget it and i was like oh yeah it's just art is as useless on air as it is in real life but i forgot that it was oh. good for, for tattoos 
yeah, I put I put sick burn, but no, the truth is I'm just an ignorant pleb. <laughs> um, so that that was it. And as I predicted last episode, which was an easy guess, helping hand is him helping his hand. Huzzah! So they go off with another lesson in soul fuckery. Um, yes. So they're he, they're doing Q and A with uh, uh, Follader first. Um, I don't want to do all the driving, but I did pull this out because it's pointless, and I know I know that you wouldn't have. Um, Finn had lying in the mid thirties, which meant through symbiosis, I had lying somewhere in the high teens. And I was like, hold on, Finn was also lying about being in her thirties, and June is in his high teens. Fun coincidence or a clue? Dun dun dun. <laughs> As they would say at Unsong, this is not a coincidence because nothing is ever a coincidence. That's right. That said, Fen wasn't really lying about her age. No one asked her, so it doesn't yep, quite exactly. Fit. They just assumed. Yeah. Yeah. She looks like a child. She acts like a child. She is a child. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I, I, so, yes, Falenter is... Uh, they, they're exchanging information. He's getting trained in soul magic, but Falanther wants information back from him as well in exchange. And so he also asks him things like, uh, can you perform feats that you should by rights not have known how to accomplish? Or are you limited to only those that have been explained adequately to you? I like this a lot. On the one hand, like that's a very cutting and precise question. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's also given under like the plausibility of like, no, I really need to know this before I teach you stuff. Like, yeah. if I know that you can't fuck up in a way that would be impossible if I didn't, you know, for any of my other pupils, then that's fine. But if you can fuck up in random ways that I'm unaware of, like, because you can jump ahead, this is important for me as a teacher. But really, it's just important to him as a scientist. Yeah. I, I do like how uh, at some point he's like, well, hold on, that, that doesn't make any sense about like with soul stuff. And he's like, well, by your own accounting, I'm the most knowledgeable soul mage left on, on the world. But please explain why I'm wrong. <laughs> this this is he's channeling professor quirrell for me so well he's yeah he's doing a really good job of it yeah except more evil yeah uh quirrell as far as we know didn't literally eat people he did soul rape one baby but you know one time <laughs> right <laughs> you know it was a baby they don't they don't really have consciousness yet and he had a good reason prophecy right he wasn't just fucking around yeah, he wouldn't have done it, but the freaking prophecy made him. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag Quirrell did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're talking about souls, and Founder points out that, or says that the term soul is imprecise. You likely think of it as a small white thing pulled from the heart or head after death. That is the anima exa, a physical manifestation of the soul, unique to the mortal species, but not synonymous with the anima ipsa. And like... I don't know. This this was a bit of a complication, which I was not prepared for jumping into. But I guess we do have to tackle it at this point, since they I guess, are two different things. It sounds like, and I get I get the impression that like the actual soul is like a um not a book because a book's a physical thing. It's a it's a it's like a story or a collection of information, and uh, the white stuff that you pull out of the heart or head is like a physical manifestation that contains that story or that information, like a printed book, but it's not literally the story itself. Like you can't immolate a story by burning a book. So like the anima ipsa is the more, the thing you really care about, which is intangible. And the anima exa is like the, the, the physical form of it. I don't know enough Latin to know what exa and ipsa mean. I'm guessing 
outward and inward or something. Um, Oh, yeah. But like, okay, so this is confusing and I'm glad you pulled it out too, because like it's my my interpretation naively. I'm like, okay, cool. Souls are a thing. Oh, look, she just pulled a soul out of that guy and put it in a jar. That's it. That's his soul. Right. And look, you can use it to, to charge your, your flashlights. Um, yeah. It's like just like you could burn a book to charge a, a thing that needs heat. Yeah. So but my, my, my naive interpretation was like, that's the soul, right? I, yeah. I pulled it out. I'm, I'm juicing it to, to power my electronics. But no, apparently it's this, like you said, ephemeral other thing. And that, that shiny magic thing you pull out of a person yeah, they call that a soul, but that's just those idiots who don't know what a soul is. You know, it's it's really this ephemeral thing, and that's like a quasi-physical backup. Yeah. And like I liked how you, the way you put it was actually really cool. You can burn a book, but you can't burn a story. Yeah. And apparently, you can burn a book, but the story can still go to hell. <laughs> yeah, this is like the interesting thing. The He says that... The soul continues to be accessible well after death, which I suppose has to be the case if by, you know, pulling magic out of bones, what you're doing is working on the soul bit that's stuck in those bones. Um, But, like, he says the soul is incapable of crossing the planar boundary, which I guess implies to me that the Hells get a copy of the story and then can, like, spin up their own version of that person to torture, but the actual, like, there's a different database on air that that can't leave air because you can't cross planar boundaries. I'm guessing that the one that goes to hell is the little glowy bit that you put in jars. Mm-hmm. That Me too. If you left a, a corpse there long enough, you would watch it leave, or maybe it would just teleport to hell, right? Yeah. yeah. But then their their ephemeral or their less ephemeral soul would would hang out, and that's so weird. So, like, I guess. I don't know. Well, first of all, it sounds insanely significant and some nasty science must have been conducted to confirm this, right? Yeah. Um, it, it means that you've, you know somebody well enough that you can access their soul from a distance and then you kill them, see if they're in one of the le- levels of hell you can, you can see into and then fuck with their skeleton. Like, what's weird is that their, their, their skeleton seems to be more closely tied to their soul than like that glowy bit that comes out of them. You know, it it almost feels to me like when the soul gets sent to hell, it's like a transporter kind of thing where the person is recreated on the other boundary with, you know, with the information and that glowy bit that that moved, but there's still the original copy back on air, which is, you know, it's dead. It's in a dead body. It can't continue on, but that they're like actually two different things now. I think since the air version wasn't destroyed. I think you're right. The fact that it does seem to be tied to i mean assuming that it's not just some pleasant fiction they'll tell themselves but like these glowy soul bits if if someone's glowy soul is captured and doesn't go to hell then presumably that person doesn't have a copy of any sort go to hell yeah exactly well then that seems to mean that like if 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 when hell gets that copy they can recreate a version of you that they can then torture forever because why the fuck not because it's hell um, it seems to mean that as long as you have that glowy soul, then it's not impossible in principle to make a person out of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know if that technology exists right now. 
Yeah, it could but it could be it high level. It seems like game in principle shit. you could do that. Yeah. It doesn't seem that it's impossible by the rules of the world. Um, mm-hmm. the soul was, in fact, incapable of crossing the planar boundary. Well, what that the downside of that also seems to imply is that uh like June can't kick the doors open to hell and go pull Arthur out. Right. And Arthur can't, you know, godhood his way out of hell either. Well not that might mean Arthur's not in hell though. It might. But it it does seem it just well a I guess or, if June you know, dies maybe this, he goes to actual hell and he seems to be stuck there. Yeah, I mean maybe this is part of the quest of a god find a way to unite the hells with Arab and you know get rid of all the devils and demons and shit. The soul is incapable of crossing the planar boundary. I wonder if that's inference on his part because how could you possibly be sure of that unless there's a spot on Arab where it's like yep that's hell. You walk through this door and if someone walks through it, you know, their skeleton complete with souls just collapses to the ground and like their little glowy bit goes through. You know, I yeah. I don't quite know how you could be sure of that. Yeah. The, the other weird thing is that apparently if you have the skeleton, it's not just a so it's, it's more than just the teleporter copy thing, because if you fuck with the skeleton and I keep saying skeleton rather than bones because it's just kind of funnier that way. And, and it points out the absurdity of this. Like, yeah, yeah. if I fuck with a skeleton, I fuck with the soul version or the hell version of that soul, too. Do you, though? Doesn't he say that uh, the soul continues to be accessible well after death? He does say that. But maybe that just means I can see his character sheet, like like a, a read-only access, maybe. Well, because you can't, you can't fuck with anyone's soul unless you're directly touching them. With the one exception that we know of being June with his twin souls thing. And so you couldn't fuck with anyone's soul in hell. Because you can't touch him, but you he like when he says the soul continues to be accessible long after death, it's because he's he's saying that the soul is still here and it's part of the bone. He says when you burn the, a bone, you affect the soul. Like you're literally permanently burning a part of someone's soul, doing the same thing that that happened to to June when he burned his own bones, uh, in order to give you a temporary boost. Which is you know it's it's kind of fucked up to permanently destroy a part of someone to give you a temporary boost, but. I mean, I guess that's the same thing we do when we eat stuff. Um, <laughs> but, fortunately, but fortunately, the souls are already dead and of non-sapient species, so that's okay. I remember he used that woman's bones when he was healing that poor elevator kid that Fen pincushioned at Amon's tower. Um, oh, yeah. So like, so that so the soul that's inside the jar that they got probably has got, or I guess now it's back in that generator. Um, but that soul probably has those bones fucked up in it. I I guess. It's not going I mean, to be must, right? Well, like the, if if the if you were to read the soul on the corpse, sure. But I don't know if they're still tethered, right? Um, it could okay. be that that's a copy that. Yep, it goes off and does its own thing. And yeah. when he says confirmed by Infernoscope, I thought when I read that the first time, I thought that he meant like, no, no. I watched, you know, I sucked all the bones. I I, I ruined their bones in my left arm, and I watched their arm go limp through the Infernoscope, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I don't think that's oh, what, that's not that might not be what he's saying. He's just saying, I no, look, they're in hell the, and here's their skeleton, yeah. but it still works. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what he was going for. OK, well, that that's that might just mean, yeah, then we just got duplicates. But why on earth would that be the case? Something something fishy is afoot. Well, if because it allows you to have a hell and even if the rules say that you can't cl- cross planar boundaries. But why even have that rule? Just have your actual one soul go to hell. I mean, maybe it's a thing that you can't get around something about the various planes that that's an immutable 
law of nature. But you're, if you're making the game, you make the laws of nature. Well, if the way you make the game is by tacking on third-party mods, you can't access the source code of the AAA game. That yeah, so like the original devs are like, no, you can't go to hell. And the other person's like, and then like years later, someone comes along, well, hold on, I still want to do soul stuff. And if they're, but if if they go to hell, well, how do we do this? Well, fuck it, we'll make two souls. Like just make it happen. (laughs) That does okay. More and more sounds like more like counter-purposed people worked on this, or at least uh, you know the game feels a lot more like that prison. You know, yeah. Where they don't, they don't have to be cross purposes. They're just like not necessarily in coordination. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, one way to test this would be to like get a flashlight, power it with a soul of someone who just killed, and then burn through all their bones and see if the flashlight fizzles out. Right. Yeah. That would, I mean, there's a lot more to the soul than just the bones. Is there? I, well, the, you're, because when right. he looked at it, Physically, there was also the muscles and the nerves and the blood vessels and the skin. And the bones are like the scaffolding if, for the soul, though. Yeah. And I don't know if like the memories and the values would count. Yeah. Where did I, those aren't tied to the bones. No. This is all, this is all Except fun. Maybe they are a little bit because remember the bone mage said, oh, you've heard the, the wild rumors about you can pull knowledge from a bone to get memories of the person out of it. That's true, but there's more to a soul than memories. You know, yeah. you, you don't. You, you know, when he, well, I was gonna say when you pull, but when you pull power out of bones, you don't inherit those values, but you kind of understand them. That's how he first unlocked bone magic when he yeah. when he was thinking about the chicken. Like, no, I would be there, you know, scared and confused and just you know eager for uh, the person to come by with food, and you know, he discovered endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, that is sort of how bones work, I guess. I, I can noodle this more over the next week, but like, I don't know if I have all the information I need to know to have, like to be able to find the answer to this. And even if I do, I don't think I have the information to know that I was right. If I did guess the right answer, I guess what I'd really like to know is what are the rules? <laughs> what are the rules? Oh, what are the rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? When you've kept your brain, but the world's insane. How the hell you gonna find out the rules? That I, that's that's still a background thought in my head. You know, like we we could just play that in the podcast every time we think that because it's easy to add sound effects in ZenCaster, but people would probably get really annoyed with it. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, it turns out fixing your bones is as easy as copy pasting from your other bones. This is like kind of just as intuitive as you would have guessed, right? Yeah. Um, hey, I got bones over here. I got bones over there. Uh, I I can just look at those and it is just basically copy paste. I think mm-hmm. does he settle on is it the paste option or is it like the merge option? Or it's uh, the merge, I think. Or conform. Conform, that's right. Yeah. Of course it can't be like super, super straightforward, but um all right, so uh where are we? Um yeah, so quest progress. Bonitis, you've cured the soul of its affliction, at least in part, and begun to bring your body back to what it once was. The only thing that remains is to finish the job. So, hey, high five. Um, and then follow their answer. He's he couldn't be more like con- composed about this. But congratulations, he said with a nod. You have accomplished in a single day what men spend years learning. And Jeez. then something about like we should keep the lessons going. And he's like, no, nah, I mean, we did enough lessons. This took way, way less time than it had any right to. Uh, mm-hmm. So I uh, I had a couple more quotes, but I don't want to do all the talking. So. Um, uh, would you like me to read any of them? Oh, 
I don't know. I'll do I'll do this one. Um, <laughs> so far as I'm aware, Juniper still needs a teacher, said Folliter. I have some interest in the endeavor of his education, so long as I'm allowed to study him by way of compensation. Ben, absolutely not. <laughs> Yes. And I can totally see where he's coming from. You know, he's a soul raping Nazi, but he's also a scientist. And June is damn fascinating when you're, you know, trained and knowledgeable enough to know exactly how insane June's speed up the power ladder is. Right. Yeah. You know, Amaryllis watching June synergize whatever Crimson Leap or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that was like, oh, he did something original with blood magic. That's cool. She probably has enough background to know that that like that should be impossible. But yeah. I don't think. And maybe she is like, she's not an expert blood mage though, right? Right. And I'm assuming that blood magic is easier than soul magic just because there's more of them running around. So like he has a, a he, he is perfectly well, positioned. it's also not illegal. That, that's true. But he's perfectly positioned to just know like, this is insanely fucked up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. There's no, f- mm-hmm. some, something insane is happening. He's not just good. Good would be getting this in a year. Yeah. You did this in like two hours, bro. What the fuck? So... And yeah, I also probably wouldn't want him to gain information of that nature because he's not going to use it for good. Who, Folliter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to keep everything you can from him for sure. But, you know, everything he learns is going to make the, the world a worse place because that's what he does. Yeah. I mean, knowing that there's a that there's a kid running around who can learn real fast isn't super dangerous knowledge on its own. But if he learns anything about how June is doing what he's doing, which he might if he has I mean, a double agent. At this point, I kind of feel like they're just going to have to kill Folliter out of not letting information about June escape into the world. It's just operational security just at this point. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say poor Folliter, but he's a soul raping Nazi, so. Yeah, it's nice when they have it coming. Um, yeah. And if you one thing, if he was redeemed, then we'd have to like kind of like Paul, you know, I felt bad about him. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he did seem like, you know, at some point he's like, yeah, I, I, I fucked up. I own that shit, but. You know, mm. I, I still want to be of, of service and stuff. No, this guy, he's, he couldn't be more Dark Lord still. Um, yep. Yeah, I think they're back in the house later. Um, and there's just a line about how they have uh, the, um, she hasn't forgotten about the non-anima in the basement. And I'm just like, wait a minute, because I, I kind of forgot about her. And they, did, they, did they at least give her a book or something? Like she's, <laughs> she's still, she's still in prison, basically. I think she's going to spend her entire life basically being in prison or in chains or something. Yeah, there's there's got to be unless some, some way around that shit. Yeah, unless they find out some way to do what June was saying. Yeah, get her a tattoo of anti-demon possession. That's got to be a thing. <laughs> That's totally a thing. They just don't want to give it to people. Well, it might. Maybe they don't have it in prison. You know, like it's they don't have any uh, tattoo art tattoo mages in there. But like, could have been something created in the last two hundred years while Falter was in prison. And they didn't know that he had a soulless person stuck in there with him. Yeah, I mean, it could be, an, or, or yeah. it could cost a lot of money. It could be a, a closely guarded secret. Maybe it's not a tattoo, but it could be an artifact. Like, hey, if you wear this necklace, it keeps demons away. Like, yeah. you know, it, there's a lot of potential options here. Yeah. Point is, there, there's a tattoo that you can get in Supernatural, or at least it, it, you can you can get it on your person somehow. And mm-hmm. it's not until like season five where they're like, we should get tattoos of this shit, right? Because getting possessed is a thing that can happen once in a while. And it's like, wait, if we can just not have this happen by very conveniently getting a tattoo, let's just do that. So yeah. um, tr- fun fact, those are real tattoos. That they really got the actors? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. I believe so. I'm 90. That is some commitment to your art. I mean, they did that show for 15 years. Yeah. 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 All right. All righty. Um, 
Amaryllis is trying to sell me on the fact that this that this you know ninety five pounds wet tiny little girl is is a is a concern. Yeah, Amaryllis says she's not going to be one of the gang, making quotes in the air with one hand still on her sword hilt. Not unless we figure out a way to deal with the possession problem. Every time you speak to her, or even speak in her presence, that's information that goes to a large number of devils, intent on causing whatever pain and destruction they can. And if a demon ever gets into her, you'll have to fight it, which means she needs to be manacled at all times. Uh, June says, but she's only got the strength of a fairly weak human woman, right? And Amarillo says, imagine a soldier trained for thousands of years in a wide variety of bodies, all with the perfect killing intent. And I think it was the word perfect killing intent that really <laughs> tipped me off there. But I was, I thought, yeah, you know, a 10-year-old Harry James Potter Evans Varus would probably be a threat, despite being in a 10-year-old's body and not having thousands of years of training and killing. And she would have thousands of years of training, plus the body of a 16-year-old. So, yes. You might not be able to, like, you know, uh, Jason, she, she just, like, suddenly Jason born at you. And right, right. you'd be unequipped to to handle that. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's definitely not going to overpower you physically, but there's a lot of other things that you can do to kill someone than that. Oh, totally. When you mentioned Harry Potter, like I was like, you know, he'd be less of a threat without magic. But let's be real: if Harry, if ten year old Harry really wanted to kill you, you'd be dead. Like he'd home alone you into some <laughs> sort of lethal trap. Yeah. Uh, it didn't occur to me that devils and demons, again, whatever the hell's those are, like collaborate to cause mayhem. Um, yeah. and the, and the idea of them being a skilled fighter in whatever meat suit they'd hijack hadn't occurred to me either. So, um, it sounds like either they really need to give Valencia a soul, which, I mean, what if you just stuck that needle in a jar in her and waited for one of the souls to drift out? I don't know how it works. What, what if literally, you know, how they pour them into generators? Yeah. What if she literally just, just swallowed one? I don't know. I don't think it would work, but I mean, it's worth a it's shot. It's absolutely worth a shot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, this this whole thing, I, it'll be interesting how they manage this. I'm hoping it's not like a thing that takes them a thousand pages to work out because like, well, then again, I'm sure it'll be interesting. But this is just such baggage that this group does not need right now, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to help her. You know, it's a drag. She shouldn't be in this situation. But like as far as their their group goals... Like now they've got to carry around you this thing. You would leave her to rot. I, I, you soulless monster. No, I would do what June's doing. Is I would help her and insist that we find that we move mountains to be the first people to find a way to block possession. But no, okay. like the thing is, is like that's going to slow me down on my train on my path to finding Arthur, right? But I would do it because it's the right thing to do. It's just at the whole time while you're while you're searching to solve the problem that's unsolvable, you can't let her near any sharp objects. You can't let her out of your sight. You have to chain her to the bed yeah. so she can't, you know, escape and attack in the middle of the night. Um, you yeah. know, she could never bring you tea, you know, like, and any time that she has any, any time off screen to do anything to fuck with you, there's a hunt. You have to treat it as a certainty that she's going to try. It's true. She can't ever be around food that you might eventually eat. Exactly. It's, this is, this is, I, I, it's mean, but I get why the people in prison kept her in a cage. Frankly, they should have just killed her. Like, <laughs> well, he wouldn't let her. Valentor wouldn't, because he's studying her. I'm assuming. Yeah, but what would him be the? I, w- I wonder what he gets out of studying her. I don't know. If you're the world's top soul mage, like having someone without a soul to study was probably a really quite a boon. It's like a lot of the um, brain things we find out is by people who have brain damage and parts of their brains are gone, and we're like, oh, well, I guess that's what that part of the brain did—the thing they can't do anymore. Yeah, I like that analogy a lot. I'm just thinking like. 
if if the soul is kind of like a book, you know, you could be the best reader in the world. And if I hand you an empty book, you're, you, <laughs> you, you don't get anything out of that, right? Yeah. And that, that it seems that's kind of what she is. I don't I don't really know. I uh, I, I look forward to seeing how, how this shakes out. I mean, uh, hopefully when she hits level 10, he'll be able to just look at her soul. And then when she's possessed, you know, her little, like the little avatar image of her soul will just have like a little, <laughs> little horns on it or like, like covered in fire with red eyes or, or yeah. more adorably, like a little devil, just like icon lit up next to it, like a check engine light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'll be exciting. She's, she's at level eight now. So, I mean, and that took all of six hours. Uh, yeah. if, if he brings her a sandwich, she'll jump straight to level 20. Um, right so well shouldn't be that hard yeah um all right so he asks her do you asks amaryllis do you really think i'm in danger and amaryllis hesitates she says i want to ensure that you take this seriously and don't put yourself in a situation where you underestimate the danger she poses and reading that out loud i think that she's trying to find a way to phrase that correctly um like by phrase that correctly i just mean convey to june appropriately but yeah when when she hedged before with like triggering the quest to go, you know, rescue uh, this dark wizard from a prison. She, she like, you know, thought about it for a second and then delivered the right line. This doesn't sound like a quest lead up though. Well, it kind of, yeah. kind of almost does. You know, if, if she had said, um, I want to ensure that you take this one seriously and don't put yourself in a situation where you underestimate the danger that she poses until maybe we can do the impossible and find a way to solve this problem. Then that right. might trigger a that quest. Might. Yeah. Yeah. Quest given. Uh, soul. I, I don't know what you do. I could, I'd have to think of it. This many um, hours in, it's hard to be clever. So, Soul insemination. Insulation. <laughs> uh, that, that'd be, uh, yeah. Find, find a way to uh, impregnate her Make with her- a soul. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, any other? That brings us to the end. It sure does. Um, I guess the end of this is uh, what them going to town, right? That's the next thing they're going to go do. Indeed. All right, and uh, Grack gets to go, or let's go get Grack. Time to see whether we can make this arrangement work. Um, yeah, I was wondering because it didn't mention him when he was in the barn. I think studying with uh, Volator, like where the hell Grack was, and then it reveals that he was actually just there off to the side. But I was like, wait, did they leave him in the house? Is he like outside drawing wards to kill them all right now? Like. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a possibly rogue agent right now. God, yeah. they should. I mean, you know me. I'm I I'm trying to be nice, but all right. Let me put it to you this way: Would you kill Falter right now if you could get away with it? I mean, they can obviously get away with it. Um, you know, it's hard, right? I I do know that when I was reading this the first time, I would not have killed Falter right now at this point, just because he might be useful, or because it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, both. Also because, like, I found him very interesting, and I thought it made for a cool story to have him in here constantly fucking with them. And also, I don't know, I was I was a bit more merciful back then. I, I've, I've run out of a few fucks in the past few years. So, um, but I, I do remember thinking at this time, I'm glad they aren't killing him because, you know, I, 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 I like having him in the story. He's super interesting. I'm just thinking for the pragmatism of the group, like that this is, you know, they, they can't share a room. They can't talk like all of this is just a mess. Um, but these are things that they can work around now that they know about it. And 
and he is really useful for the soul skills that he has. You know, he can teach June a lot. Yeah, but he's he's shown himself adept at learning quickly. And, you know, if Voldemort could teach you a lot of magic, it still seems like, you know, is that worth leaving Voldemort around when he could go cause unknown destruction? Maybe just for another two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then you got to you basically are resigning yourself to killing his his two companions, too. Because they probably yeah. wouldn't take too kindly to you, you know, uh, shiving their their friend slash possibly and, person who made them want to care about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll noodle that over the next week, and I'll I'll come back with my updated opinion next week. Uh, I'm sure with more information on how I feel about him. <laughs> yes. So that with that being said, next week we are reading the next four chapters, sixty-eight through seventy-one. Those chapters are Seeing Red, In Mutual Congress, Moral Agency, and The Soul of Discretion. <laughs> the Soul of Discretion. Yeah. That's funny, right? No, I heard it. Everyone hear that chuckle? I mean... It, it was there. I, I, I laughed more because you think it's funny than because it's actually funny. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, there was another one, too, where, like... Um, uh, there was like a, a joke about like, you know, I can always have bones on hand and like, when, yeah. and it's like, ha, yeah, on hand. Um, that was, see, the thing is, I, I don't find either of those funny at all on their own, <laughs> but you trying to push them as funny is amusing. So I kind of chuckled then. Well, I hope my enjoyment is contagious. It is. All right. Well, speaking of contagious enjoyment, uh, this is Alexander's awesome story. So be sure to check out his Patreon page. I keep getting the tantalizing emails about chapters coming out early. So mm-hmm. uh, if y'all want to, if y'all, if you guys are either, well, I'm supporting it. I'm not at the end of the book yet. So if you want early access to it, if you're enjoying the book and you can definitely throw them a few bucks. And if you have some left over, throw us a few bucks too. Um, you know, I was just buying a new mixer to fix uh, the the sound quality and allows us to do the, uh, the patient conspiracy as well. Um, well, Probably just a uh, converter, power converter right now. That's much cheaper than the entire mixer. We'll see if that fixes the problem. Oh, I didn't even occur to me that it might just be that little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Start small. Uh, yep. Well, in any case, uh, hosting costs, et cetera, and coffee, which we need because we record late into the night. So yes. um, anyway. Uh, and you get to hear Stephen's awesome pitch meeting thing that we did. Oh, yeah. And further pitch meetings. So, exactly. All right. Well, have fun. I enjoyed this. And uh Thanks again, Inyash. Remember, I guess, to our audience, this is out of order, but we're tired at this hour. Uh, This is Alexander's Game. We're just playing it. Awesome. Thank you for joining me, Stephen. Bye, everybody. Later.